0: Hello, friends. I'm your host, Chris Thrill. I'm a former Royal Marines Commando. I've adventured for better and sometimes worse across 80 countries on all seven continents. Welcome to the Bought the T shirt podcast. So, hello, friends. And welcome to the Bought the T-shirt podcast, uh, in which I'm going to be asking my guests to put a T-shirt on that has some significance for them. And I can see that my guest today has certainly done that. So, Graham, Graham Bint, welcome to the podcast. Thank you ever so much for joining me, Graham. I'll just explain how we met. Yeah, and then I'll ask you to to tell our listeners and our viewers just a bit a bit about yourself. So, Graham and I are both uh, former forces, British forces. We are members of uh, a certain Facebook page that's for basically to support veterans. I, I won't say anything more about that. And I saw Graham's reply to. To a, a, a member on there, and it was—I found it quite. I have to be honest; I found it quite pertinent, but I also found it quite hilarious. And it was something along the lines of this um, former female veteran was posting about, you know, how how brilliant the veterans are, and how poor civilians are, and how they should recognise that we're all, you know, we're all heroes, and. I know that Graham, like myself, you have a, uh, you take it, you know, we take more of a sort of realistic view, view, let's say. I think it's fair to say Graham and I have been around the block a few times, um, shared a few experiences, actually. And so Graham kind of, uh, in a nutshell, put it back to her. Is that what the, the British and American forces are doing, rampaging around the globe? You know, poking their nose into other countries' affairs, particularly where there seems to be oil, is you know, is is that the heroic nature of our job? So that's how we met. I'm going to shut up there and just hand over to you, Graham. If you can tell us a bit about yourself and um and your connection to the military, of course. Yeah, sure, Chris. Thanks, mate. And um, it, it, that was quite amusing how how we met there. Um, I, I think the phrase or one of the phrases was. Um, use was you know one that peeves me a little bit is about um how how people um we can can sleep in sleep safely at night while other men fight for your freedom and I, I i just query what freedom we're fighting for um sorry to 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 go off um i joined the the RAF Regiment when I was um, 17 and a half. I'd gone through the usual indoctrination. <clears throat> uh, um, my, my parents were in the military. My father was in the military, I'm um, gone to air cadets. And I joined up with a guy called Fergus, a good friend of mine called Fergus. <coughs> and remember that name because he'd he'll, he'll probably come into the conversation later. And he joined the uh, Para um, But it was just after the Falklands in 1983. And the para was quite a long waiting list. So I think the Marines was as well. And so I, I just wanted to be airborne of one sort or another. So I joined the RAF Regiment um, and tried to become the, the parachute squadron of the RAF Regiment. Took me a little bit of time to get there, um, but I got there in the end and, and got my wings. And in that time, served in Northern Ireland. Um, went went to the, the the first Gulf War. What was that op? Granby. W- went to Cyprus. Uh, learned to water ski. Um, Need kebabs. When yeah. when when where did I go? Went across to Jordan or somewhere. But can I just well, uh, can I just interrupt you there? Yeah. Cause I've, as well as talking about the series stuff, I think it's important for our listeners to just to hear a bit of banter. Well. When when you water skied, did you fall over? What I mean by that is, my dad told me a story when he was a, a kid, teenager. He had a, a big fear of snakes, right? A kind of phobia, you could say. And when he went water skiing with all his sort of teenage friends one day, and obviously there's a few girls there, so it was a bit of a, a showing off thing, right? <laughs> yeah. So he saw a fisherman catch an eel and he was bashing this eel on the rocks, right, to to put this eel out of his misery. And, of course, my dad's got a phobia about, you know, long, slivery things. So they were on a pontoon. He put the water skis on. And the guy was like, right, now you have to get in the water and the boat's going to, you know, yeah, the boat's going to pull you up. <laughs> so my dad said, isn't there like a, you know, like another way of doing it the guy's like what do you what do you mean another way so well you know where i don't have to get wet (laughs) the guy said well he said you're really good if you're really good (laughs) go you can go off the pontoon right and my dad said yep that that'll do me right so he's holding on his boat powers up and of course you know my dad he's a (laughs) He's a bit like me. We've got a real good sense of balance in our family. I, d- I don't know why. We we probably lack in many other areas. But this boat shot off. And my dad kind of just lurched off this pontoon, went all the way around the lake. And when he came back in, he just came alongside the pontoon and just stepped onto it. <laughs> no way, no so, way. So fast forward, you know, 25 maybe. <laughs> 25 years i was in barbados with i was uh on the marines detachment on there for, for a year and on the beach i think it was called paradise beach they were doing water skiing and i'm a bucket list guy it's like if, if i see something that i've ever thought of in my life i'm just gonna whether it's you know bungee whatever i i've got to do it right so um i got in there i got in the got on the shoreline held on to the to the whatever you call that thing you hold on to, the leash. Ah. And uh, off the boat went, I'm like, right, I'm not falling over. My dad didn't fall over. <laughs> I'm not falling over. And I went all around the bay. And then as the boat came back in, I just held on with one arm, started ve- veering off like getting off a ski lift, right? Yeah. And went and stepped stepped onto the beach. So, yeah, anyway, sorry I, I no, no, sorry. But, uh, it's quite impressive. I, I actually managed to break oh, yes. my nose. I, I don't know how you do that, but I did. Um, and, of course, the, the usual enemas that you get when you don't wear wetsuits. <clears throat> but you know what it's like when squaddies get hold of a boat and, and a jet ski. You don't really take things too seriously. And you, you tend to find it fun to cut over the wake of, uh, of of other boats. So I went five foot in the air, down into the water, came back up, and the ski smacked me straight in the nose, broke my nose. Um, but no. the, the reason I was saying that really was, it, I, I think it's a very, uh, it's a kind way of saying that I was a Cold War warrior, Chris. And I, I love that expression. You know, we, we joined, I joined up in 83 and I left eight years later after Gulf One, which would be 91, I guess. <coughs> and, um, so I call myself a Cold War warrior. I, I did, did a tour of Northern Ireland and, um, that wasn't too hard with the RAF regiment. Um, and out of the three, squadron uh, uh, sorry the three flights in our squadron that we have uh when we went to cyprus only one squadron went further um in into baghdad so we just sat back and ate kebabs and got drunk in in uh cyprus and and they gave me a medal for it which which i found very very funny indeed um they should have have given me one gram really because as I said, yeah. when I was on um, HMS Invincible, which for people listening is, is was a British aircraft carrier, yeah, we were the first ship to set sail for the was it the first Iraq conflict, wasn't it in ninety 1992? two? Ninety one, yeah, Granby. So we're the first ship to set sail. I said goodbye to all my <laughs> family, did all the you know the the hug, might might yeah. not see you again sort of thing, Wait, right? And that was it. We went off to war. By the time uh, you got there, it would have been over, wouldn't it? Well, the thing was, we were going to be, obviously, air cut. Co- you know, the, the an aircraft carrier provides air cover. So it yeah. was quite a crucial role. And as we started moving away from the dock in Portsmouth, and there's 12 Marines all sat in our mess deck, you yeah. know, this is it, boys. This is what we train for. We're yeah. we're You know, we're off. Um, the captain came over the tannoy. And he said, words to the effect of, ladies and gentlemen, we had women on board. We were the first ship to have women on board. Um, we're no longer going to war. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to send the, the, the new Atlantic, the first Atlantic conveyor was sunk in the Falklands, right? They're sending yeah. the new Atlantic conveyor instead of us. And all around the ship, you heard all these Matlows just cheering because they could go back to their, you know, their, their wives and girlfriends. And, and all in the next group, next mess. yeah, there was just 12 <laughs> guys looking at the floor like that, just... <laughs> Again, but we'll yeah, swim there. That. We'll swim there, honestly. We'll, we'll get there somehow. <laughs> so, <let's, where laughs> Give us a medal? We'll make our own way. Where's <laughs> my medal? <laughs> well, if you're, if you're American, you probably would have got one. <laughs> I've only got one medal, and it's uh, in my son's bedroom. I gave it to him to play with as a toy, and uh, kind of tells you um, sort of how seriously I take trinkets, well, right? Exactly, exactly. Um, which, which, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll come back to. Yeah. <laughs> um, excuse me. Well, while I was there, I, the, the funny thing was. You know, it made me, it made me question what we were doing and, and, and what, why we were going there to this American war. And I, I read a book while I was there called Heroes by John Pilger. And John Pilger's a very, um, renowned, um, honest journalist, investigative, uh, Australian journalist. And I would implore anyone to read his books or watch his, uh, YouTubes or, or whatever. <clears throat> and, um, it sort of, it, it woke me up to history and, The fact that all the history that I've ever heard and and been taught wasn't actually quite right. And um, he he spoke with with a certain, his writing had a certain veracity and honesty and um, it it, it could be checked. So, well, you know, the the ironic thing is they I was sent to war um, and I read a book there that that made me, as soon as I came back, I I PBR'd. paid paid my my release because i saw the writing on the rule on the wall chris i just went we're just going to get sent from pillar to post to american wars here and um i don't agree with that and that's not what i joined up for and so yeah so i i i bought myself out and and, and joined city street and um funnily enough straight after that or very shortly after that found myself in a, in a war zone. <clears throat> um, and, and and that's the irony of, of going to that war. Um, just
1: it, yeah. I, I so just that learned. was
0: kind of that was we could say that was your awakening then, really. I think that was the start of it. And and, and if I have to if I have to pinpoint a time, it was it was reading that book. Um, and I don't know how that book came to me, but that started to alert me to the fact that, yeah. as as you're fully aware, his history is written by the victors. Um and, oh, and, and and, and, But can I just say on that point? People think that's a cliche, right? Or just a, a a glib, a glib. They don't. It would be so great if people could truly understand that that is so true. That's correct. And we're not just talking <clears throat> about. You know, I don't know. Let's say Vietnam, for example, where the yeah. American. You know, I've I've met ex marines in uh, in Florida. You know, a biker gang celebrating victory in Vietnam. Right? You know, yeah. this this is like history wit- written by the the winners. And for for our younger listeners, the Americans basically got their fucking ass kicked in Vietnam, and yeah, and quite, like, you know, quite rightly so and left, left uh-huh. with their tail between their legs yeah as the the, the atrocity that they you know that the, the the i don't want to say politicians because the older you get the more you realize politicians <laughs> aren't they're not politicians they're just puppets for the ruling yeah. elite yeah um but you know they sent these young boys over there to get slaughtered in their you know thousands upon thousands and and decimate the the local <clears throat> the local population and, and Lao and Cambodia and and and, and neighbouring nations and yeah. um, and of course the way that they cleverly extracted themselves was it was a it was a peace process you know it was a mutual kind of you know we've done our and it wasn't all it was was a money making exercise for the huge corporations and the banks that had planned this war were waiting for the right moment. They use the Gopher Tonkin incident to trigger, yeah. um, you know, <laughs> as a tr- trigger with the enemy. Yeah,
1: yeah. And- which has been disproved, right? Completely disproved. Uh, oh, of course. Just, as, as we know, as we know.
0: But my point is, when you look into the Second World War, which we all herald as, oh, Hitler was a madman and, you know, it's like you just see the same setup, you know. You do it. It's, it's almost a piece it almost repeats itself. It, you know. It, i I'm not going to profess. I, I'm a mad history guy. I'm not yeah. even going to profess. I know an awful <laughs> lot about the world, but I certainly know a bit more than the majority. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I have something called intellect and the kind of sixth sense you develop. Yeah. Or well, critical then, thinking. Your critical thinking, but also a sense when you sense there's agendas in playing in play in life. Yeah. you don't see until you're smart enough to see them, right? Yeah, um, and it's not just it's not just intelligence that allows you to see it because I see people on the TV that I really respect. Yeah, and then they start talking about things like verbatim, like that, uh, 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 or you know, telling telling narratives verbatim that yeah. anyone with half an iota of common sense can question, right? The, the, worst, like, one, the worst one recently was was um, Morgan Freeman. Oh, when he God. came out and made that speech about America or whatever it was, and, and that was dreadful because everyone loves Morgan Freeman as an actor. <clears throat> yeah. Well, you know, I'll hear someone that I really, really respect, and then they'll come out with some official narrative on, on 9-11, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh. <laughs> and, <laughs> Go away. Or, or the other one is, you know, well, we put a man on the moon, and it's like, here's the thing I say to everyone, right? <clears throat> you have to develop the ability at the very least to withhold judgment on something that you clearly don't know an awful lot about other than what you've seen on the television, right? Yeah. For example, and I don't want to go down this moon landing conspiracy route, but because we're here (coughs) to talk about, you know, probably more fun and well, (laughs) certainly other things. But I would say to people, you know, at least have the respect for yourself to say, do you know what? I don't actually know. You know, I, I now you mention it, I've only seen what I've been told on the TV. We've yeah. got this NASA here, NASA here that have this huge billions of dollars budget every year. So they, they're a massive player that, that stands to keep this, you know, this, this facade, let's say up. And do you know what? I'm, I'm going to hold my judgment and I'm going to wait for sort of, sort of, but no, what you have is people going, well, no, 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 I'm, I'm not having that. And it's, um, and it's the same. It's. The same with this. When I talk about the, this kind of esoteric sense, people have been playing this game since the time before the pyramids, right? Controlling the population, controlling yeah. the you know the 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 poor or the impoverished. Not even not even necessarily that, but um, the was it that they, George Orwell called them in 1984 the pros, the proletariat, oh, right? The, yeah. the people, basically have been controlled by this this elite since the days of old and they've had thousands of years to perfect these mind control techniques. Yeah. And they yeah. do it so well. And it's not somebody going, look at my hand, look at my hand, look at yeah. Bang, you're gonna believe da da da, yeah. da you know, it's not about that. It's no. that it's no. so subtle yeah. that the average <clears throat> Joe or Joanna in the street is yeah. not gonna know. Yeah. How many people tell you how wonderful the BBC is, right? Oh, my God. Wake up. Well, I had know. someone say, say the same thing to me on the, on the Facebook rant. Um, don't, literally, the words were, don't you watch the, the ABC news? As if that was clarification, as, <laughs> as you say. So it's crazy. But as it's, you said about old, times of old... Um, <clears throat> Was it was Vol- it Voltaire that said, um, "If if if um, those that can make us believe atroc- uh, absurd- as absurdities can make us commit atrocities." And oh, that's going back some time. Yeah, <clears throat> and and they're so clever. I mean, just for example, take the BBC. They spend a fortune of our budget. Right, we have to pay for that. Yeah, that's right they spend a the fortune of their budget on nature programs and they are exceptionally brilliant right yeah. they quite cleverly kind of don't really put a bit of balance when it comes to saying you know you see this beautiful lion in a you know roaming the plain in africa well your actions today are going to kill that lion next week you know they they're <laughs> not so i know the old what's his name david attenborough started start he started to get a bit down but that's because they have to eventually
1: yeah. they want to be paying them as well
0: yeah they have to throw you a bone yeah so you <coughs> don't so uh, you uh, have- something interesting about that chris about your documentaries your wildlife documentaries about <clears throat> psyops or, or or propaganda um i used to i was a tour guide in africa for for a while <coughs> driving the trucks and, and going through game parks and so i've, I've watch an awful lot of. um um, documentaries, animal documentaries. I, I've studied animal life, and funnily enough, we're not too dissimilar. But the interesting thing is, is if you're watching a show about lions, and one of the and the lions are getting very emaciated because there's no grass, there's no food, there's no hunt, and and you follow and you know their names, and 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 one of these lions is going to die. If they make a kill about uh, of a zebra, you cheer for the lion, right? Really, the lion, thank God, Fred the lion is alive. He's going to live for longer. (laughs) However, if you're watching a documentary about zebras, (laughs) it's completely different. Yeah. Right? The thing I I was saying is that that the reason they do these wonderful documentaries and and you can't can't fault them is that they're giving you with this hand, but it's like the magician you're not seeing what they're doing to your mind through the other manipulation channels, namely the news. With this, it's like, look at my hand, look at my hand, look at my hand, you know? Yeah, and in the meantime, someone's just won an election. Yeah. Now, going back to our original point, and that is, history is a lie. Yeah. It's not even just history that is a lie. You're... Diet, your nutrition is a lie. Your yeah. met, your met, your medicine, yeah, is a lie. Our heroes your, are lies. Your heroes are a lie. Your education system yeah. is a is is a lie. None of it is done for the common good or no. the benefit of of you and me and and our our listeners. Right, it's all just a very cleverly. Um, sculpted scam that, as I said, they've been doing for thousands of yeah. years. Yeah. And what am I bothered? No, because I'm kind of enlightened. So I, I, yeah. I I'm not going to let it affect my happiness and my yeah. one chance on this planet. But yeah. why am I mentioning it? I mention it because my parents' generation never told me this shit. Well, they, they were oblivious to it. They were utterly brainwashed right and for young people listening now you have the chance to achieve true happiness like i have in my life but you've got the chance to do it at 20 years old if that is what you so wish okay we need a bit of life experience to be able to make sense but certainly by 30 you don't have to wait you're 50 like me or (coughs) like i'm gonna say like probably the vast majority of the community, they never find that happiness. No, they might they might be oblivious to it, which is kind of okay. But if you get one life, do you want to live it being obli- oblivious to what is actually going on and what this wonderful universe is providing you with? Which is a this 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 energy that make you know. Sometimes driving along in a car this morning and it's just I'm so happy Graham you know yeah so happy and then the second you you have to go to social media and I only use social media for because I'm you know I've been an author for 10 years it's the way of interacting my public don't get me wrong I meet wonderful people like yourself I've got a people on my Facebook have supported me for 10 years I've got a a, a Patreon account where people pay two pounds a month to like be on my team and help me yeah. make decisions and <coughs> they get all kind of stuff in return, I should say. But, but, it's double-edged sword. but when you go down through that comment section, you see how bitter <coughs> people are. There's, 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 a, there's such an anger, isn't there? There's yeah. such an anger yeah. and there's such a sense of resentment. Yeah. And also this self entitlement that I've got a keyboard. I'm going to just tell you what I think. And it's, this is in no way a criticism. It's, it's just saying to people, (laughs) guys, there is so much more to life than that, you know? There's so much more to life. Um, and for the younger generation, you have been screwed over with all this crap, you know? Every generation faces a, a, a fresh set of challenges. They yeah. face same manipulation that hasn't ever changed, but, it's but it's a new set methods. of challenges. And, and this, <coughs> is con, con, uh, this is not a this is not you know a criticism of young people. Not no no not no at all in any way. You are if you're a young person, you are wonderful, right? It's the criticism of what our generation and ones before have been oblivious to. So we've let this go ahead. Yeah. We've let people think that spending all day typing into a phone, walking, yeah. literally walking in front of cars because they've lost the sense of, um, okay. safety now because everything's become so protected. Yeah. You know, now when I drive and someone's coming up to the curb, I have to stop. Yeah. Because I know that it's <laughs> a person who's lost the sense of, yeah. of, the ability to protect themselves because yeah. they've been so mollycoddled Rap- rapting. by, by in cotton wool yeah. by health and safety yeah. on the other and, on the, and they're so <clears throat> preoccupied with this illusionary world in their hand right yeah. and and I just hope that through these kind of honest conversations that we're having that maybe they think- they're going to upset some people and that's okay because you know you can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs, right? That's right. The, 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 you, you, you're spot on what you say. <clears throat> what you've got to be careful of is 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 how you tell people things. Um, and there, there's a funny thing in psychology um, that I've noticed as well. <clears throat> that if people find stuff out for themselves, it, it will it will sink in. But if if you just tell people stuff, they they, they don't want to listen. Um, and And everybody wants to be right in this world um and you 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 run you run the gauntlet of of um causing a thing called the backfire effect which it, it, it it's actually the equivalent of physical pain to be wrong um <clears throat> so so people will protect that and they'll protect their identity so you you have to be very careful about how you go about um you used a good word enlightened. Uh, So it's very, very careful how you go about enlightening people, because people don't want to be told, but they do want to learn themselves. So if if we go back to the history thing. Um, Can I just say, Graham, can I just say one thing there? Yeah. Is, is. I do things through my actions, right? I'm not trying to sound like me, me, me or anything. I'm sorry. It's just. I remember, I remember the days where I used to reply on a social media message. We're talking about seven, six years ago now when I was actually that naive. I thought maybe I can you I
1: don't
0: know, know. affect, not, I didn't want to change people, but I want to enlighten them. As enlighten. As yeah. as. Some of the things that they're saying are just holding society in, in this damage, right? In this damaged framework, right? but now um i just i don't do any of that i i just live my life and then when people come to me and they they're interested they want to know like how can you run a 1000 miles nonstop with no training yeah and i tell them i tell them how i came to be that person right yeah yeah how how did you travel like the whole you know i've lived uplift- Lived, worked and traveled now in 80 countries across all seven continents. Yeah. Sure, many of my uh, listeners are, are sick of me saying that. But the point is, it's there for everybody, right? Yeah. You need the mindset. And so I think through my actions, it makes, it means that now when I talk, people are probably more receptive when, whereas before, when you, when they just think you're a keyboard warrior. Yeah. And they can't they can't put a, a personality to the to the yeah. avatar on Facebook or whatever or profile <clears throat> it. It's so, almost like you've got to get yourself some kudos first and and, and a, before you have a platform to have people listen. Yeah, and, and also <laughs> Exactly it's just that enlightenment. It's like the Buddhist kind of thing that you're and I'm not trying to contradict you at all. I'm no. just saying that it's that thing where by your actions you change the world, yeah. You know, by by your like. So, if you're recycling, get your get your own house together. Yeah, if, if you're yeah. Uh, you know keeping yourself in good order, you're you're acting enlightened, which is above the waste stuff. Anything below the waste is is um, is all ego, right? So it means you're acting. Uh, probably sounds a bit com, com, com confusing the way I've just said it, but this relates to. Eastern philosophy, where you have the chakras in the body, and but what I just say to people: the easy way to think of it, you've got a line across your middle. If you behave behave in your upper body and your mind, you're behaving out of sincerity, kindness. You're you're in line with the universe. everything happiness is going to come to you when you're below the body, which is your greed, lying, narcissism, ego. (laughs) money yeah not not practicing forgiveness lack of empathy all those things are going to keep you mired down in unhappiness right and by acting in the upper body you become this this person that then naturally has an attractive effect on other people because they think dude how like how come you're always happy you know yeah. This, this, this this is kind of a simple analogy but sorry back to you Brian. no it's not it, what you're saying is if, if i if i if i'm hearing it right see, if you operate and act from yourself instead of your ego you you will attract the right people and and and, and that's correct because but to, to operate from yourself and not your ego you you also have to give up caring what other people think about you because what other people think about you is none of your business yes very <laughs> much Very Um, much so. um, And I had this conversation today with somebody about, um, okay, so it's it's very hard to talk to soldiers, um, you know, hairy-ass Marines and paratroopers who who may be struggling with whether it's post-traumatic stress or depression. It's very hard to talk to them about things like meditation because there's a perception of this Eastern philosophy, whatever you want to call it, whether you want to call it chakras or yoga or meditation, and, and that b-dippy has a, b-dippy b-dippy shit dippy <laughs> shit it has that connotation and you're not going to tell some hairy ass para who's just come out of a war zone but the the interesting thing is 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 we've had this you know this eastern philosophy and we've had this western medicine and philosophy and with the onset of um neuroscience now we we're discovering things about us i mean we just discovered a new organ in in our bodies which is incredible we're discovering things about ourselves and our brain through MOAI scans, or whatever they're called. Such as you know, the heart contains memory and has neural cells, and the gut has neural cells, and and we've got this gut brain heart brain. The heart sends more signals to the brain than it receives via the vagus nerve. And and what I what I'm seeing is that the Eastern philosophy had some sort of name for it, like. Chakra or purple rising or something that we, we weren't too keen with. But now neuroscience is seeing the same thing and the two are converging in the middle. Now, either side of Western med- medicine and Eastern philosophy, there's there's some BS. But generally, I, I see a convergence now with neuroscience that we're all. It's the same thing with different names. Um, oh, very much so. Yeah. It's like the. um the eye of Horus, isn't it the the Egyptian symbol? The, the of, yeah. Is is it's the it's a diagram or it's a yeah, yeah. it's a diagram of the pineal gland in the yeah. brain, which is also known as the third eye. Oh, yeah, but it's in um, language, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, Science so are and, now bringing in the limbic system into our brains, right? And, and, and so we're magic- now. We we're now posed with the new knowledge that my God, these civilizations and they, they don't, do. even, but yeah, they they knew all this before us, right? Then you look in the Bible and you see analog, analogies, analogies, or, or we see expressions such as the land of milk and honey, and then you realise that that is a, a metaphor, if that's the right word, for the serotonin and the dopamine releases in in the brain. Then you're like, oh, oh my God, really were how how did they know this, you know? Yeah, yeah. It it's it's <clears> fascinating. <throat> um but yeah, yeah, it's I, I call I call all of this enlightenment. You you talked about uh you being in a war zone to see it to see let's just call it the bullshit of war, you know, or the lie of war. For me, I had, I kind of had my, what I would call enlightenment, my my, my epiphany, right?
1: Yeah.
0: And people can read about this in my, my second memoir, 40 Nights. But I literally kind of woke up off the floor one day, just to have my boxer shorts on. and And I won't go into too much detail for this conversation, but I I would have looked myself in the mirror, but I'd probably smashed that mirror along with everything else in the house. Right. But I wasn't the person looking back at me that I used to know. Right. And in that moment, you know, I'd lost everything through uh, addiction. Yeah. And I was still chasing the drugs, thinking that this is going to make my life happy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And in that moment, I, I, I woke up to the fact. Hang on, dude, 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 this ain't working no more. Fact, be honest with yourself because it, it, this, these drugs—they haven't worked for quite a long time for you now, and you're still check. So let's, let's, let's have a bit of a, a, a revisal of our plan, right? You know, yeah. that was it. I never promised <coughs> to be an angel. I never wanted to go to meetings. Like, I've never been to, never been to see a doctor, um, other than like when I had to because I was chronically mentally unwell, right? But I've done my everything in my life. I've done myself, right? I haven't even done it with family and friends because none of none of them have been where I've been. Um, although I did have the the, you know, I've had the support of a of a friend. I should say in case he's listening, and also my um, and also my family in kind of. Various times in my life. But anyway, that was my, what I call my moment of enlightenment. I, I rose up off that floor and I suddenly saw people, I'm going to say, for who they really were. And that is very often kind of afraid animals. Yeah. You know, when you're thinking, why don't they like me? Why don't they support me? Everyone's just left. My-. It's like, no, they're afraid. People are quite cowardly when they're not led, you know, by leaders, right? And, yeah so that was that moment but my actual um global awakening as you, can, yeah. as you can call it you know the red pill the green pill kind of scenario red pill blue pill Where always get that that was um that was I was in university went into a lecture and I was studying youth work and the lecturer just like turned around to, to to there was a few of us sat around the table and he said, "Do you know that like there's people saying that plane that hit the Pentagon, it wasn't a plane, it was a, it, it, it's some sort of missile, right?" Well, I, I'm not even going to say that I was fascinated, but it certainly kind of sunk in there a bit that really. So anyway, this was the very early days of the internet. And of course, to be at university, I have my first computer at home. So yeah, I went home yeah. and I put the internet on that, the old dial up connection used to make that horrible <laughs> <laughs> screeching yeah. noise. Youngsters are going to go, yeah, these old cunts, what are you going on about, right? <laughs> but, um, but so I got the, 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 <laughs> the um, internet up and I did a search. On those terms, and lo and behold, there's pages and pages and pages of quite plausible. I'm not going to say evidence because that's that's um, always subjective. No, but no, really, it's just say lack of evidence because it, a lot oh, of evidence was hidden. Yeah, there <laughs> was just basically a lot of of supporting information to to support this theory. Um, and that just sent me then, literally, I'm enlightened, but I'm going down the rabbit hole. So I don't know if you, I was kind of light in the dark, I suppose you could say. Well, once you go down the rabbit hole. Well, I'm so glad I did, you know. Yeah. I'm, because the one one thing, again, for people listening, you when you hear people go, oh, I used to get into all that shit, but it's too depressing. And it's like, Yeah. But when you're enlightened and you you learn, then that this doesn't get you down. You know, yeah, you've got right. one chance at this <laughs> life. You've got to keep your mood and your happiness and your performance up. Just because there's wankers in this world, greedy, yeah. narcissistic, yeah. horrible people that, that yeah, psychopath, socio I'm I'm going to yeah. probably say sociopathic. You know, yeah. these people have never known true love. They yeah. don't have the empathy gene. They don't in them have empathy. So <laughs> they just think greed, greed, greed. Um so, this is um so, 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 of... go, on. go on. Go on. So so I'm um, just on roughly <clears throat> the first bit you said about, you know, pulling yourself out of addiction. Um yeah, I, I, I I'm I'm very glad you did because many people don't, Chris, um as I'm sure you're yeah. aware. So you there's something in you that's pull that survival and as an ex-paramedic i've narcanned a lot of dead people back to life um <clears throat> and it's not pleasant <clears throat> and it, it and it's wholly sad it, you know and and, and, I, and i never judge those people generally but because people listening narcan is the, the injection when you've had a heroin overdose isn't yeah, it? It's, it's, so it reverses an, the opioid um receptors and it cancels pops, yeah out. and and the funny thing is um to, to, to inject inject excuse us pun inject some humor into it is is the first that they don't realize they're dead or they're blue or they're not breathing, so you bring them around the first thing they do is get pissed off at you because you've just ruined their ten pound hit of heroin, right yeah so yeah i <laughs> I used to quite often <clears throat> um I would tie their bootlaces together before I narcan them and, and one guy he he jumped straight up got got the shits with me, went to kick me. His first leg came, and his back leg followed him, and he fell flat on his ass. And I just walked away and waited for the police to come. But but yeah, I fun. I I I never judge those people, Chris, because generally, and um, there's a lovely book called Good um, Good Cop, Bad War. I can't remember the the guy's name, but but all those people have generally come through trauma, um, of, of, oh, of, of one shape or another. Yeah. Uh, and, and, yeah. and, and that's. That's that's the um the 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 thingy drug is trauma uh, addiction <laughs> is a manifestation for the most part of unresolved childhood trauma. Yeah. Trauma is right. the gateway drug. That,
1: that's yeah. what I was trying
0: to say. Yeah. So when when you hear people saying <laughs> drugs cause addiction, it's like they have no idea. They're just saying what they've seen on yeah. the news and read in you know yeah. or, or read in their newspapers. Yeah. Drugs cannot cause addiction. Well, hang on. Well, let's prove that. If you've been in for an operation, I'm sure you've got a few broken bits and pieces on you. <clears throat> so you've been in hospital. You've had a few operations. What did they give you morphine as a painkiller? Yeah, that kind of so, thing. Yeah. So let's let's say. I mean, my dad spent a, a fair amount of time in hospital, probably a, a few months on a, on a, on a morphine. You know, they they have those things. You just press the button now, right? Yeah. That's... When, when he came out of hospital, he wasn't addicted to morphine. No. Whereas for me, when I go into hospital and i've i've had surgery a couple of years ago um it it is an issue because I still have that un childhood trauma is a very different difficult thing to clear okay the only time I've ever really got close to i mean i' don't get me wrong i don't it's not it it's not like uh, it affects well, I guess it does affect my daily life. It, it's it's a hard thing to quantify, is what I'm saying. Yeah. But when I go in hospital and they give me that stuff, then I have to get back on what I call it, getting back on the horse. Yeah. Because immediately that high that you get from the opiate, even though it's it's effectively killing pain, yeah. that is then soothing my underlying yeah trauma, uh, trauma and anger. Right? You're escaping reality and you're becoming. You, and I what... really. You know, I realized that straight away, and I will have, I will then have this conversation with my partner and say, right, you know, i I'm, um, um, I realize now like my pain is going, but I'm still on this, what is essentially a, well, it is a drug, right?
1: They're all drugs, mate. And
0: then, but I'm so fortunate in my life to have relapsed so many times, which is fine, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm quite lucky, Graham, that. All, all, most of my nonsense went on before I was a father. Yeah, nonsense. It's not right. All of my learning went on before yeah. I was a father. Right? <laughs> yeah, all, yeah. And that's what lapses and relapses are. It's a learning curve. Okay, this is why I, I have quite a lot to say about groups like AA and NA because they cut that learning out of people's lives. Now, sometimes that can be good because the person's going to die from heroin. You know, they're, they're going to overdose shortly, right? Or, or their liver's going to pack up because they're drinking. So I yeah. say that that, you know, sometimes is a stopgap measure. Perhaps, yeah. You know, these groups are great, but when you stop people learning, you, you're essentially condemning them to a, to a life in the... You're replacing it with something else. Yeah, you replace it with something else, and you stop. Sometimes that—that's religion, sadly. Yeah, yeah. And all these things. <laughs> my only no, that, points. That's going to be a good segue um, into something about my post-traumatic stress and and how I treat post-traumatic stress with trauma. That's going to be a good segue. But I just want to reverse in, it a little bit into something you said. Um The second thing you're talking about—the missile into the Pentagon or whatever—and <clears throat> this is where. We can revert back, and, and as I said, you have to be very careful about how you inform people of things. Um, and if you were to jump in straight in with, with with a conspiracy theory, which was a which was a which is a phrase coined by the CIA, of course, and, and that's how to how, how to ruin anyone's argument. Just label it a conspiracy theory. But if you if if you say one, then apparently you believe in all of them. So if you believe in the Pentagon was hit by a missile. You also believe the world was flat, and it's just crazy. So this is why I say you have to be very careful about how you introduce I people. A, I, there's a video in my playlist. I've explained to people what the flat Earth theory is all about, who came up with it, and why they did, and it's exactly what you just said. It's so these psychopathic exactly nut, can, can nut label senses. one thing with
1: another. Yeah,
0: yeah they yeah. can. They can. And there's the irony, break. right? People buy they into can, that shit. They can perpetrate any atrocity yeah. on the world now. Do you know why? Because no one will question it. Because the second they do, they get called, ah, conspiracy, you know. A tin hat you're, hat wearer, tin hat wearer. you're a flat earther. Do <laughs> and, you and, believe- and the irony, the irony is they don't realize that those groups on Facebook are actually made by psyops. They're, oh, they're, they're, not, they're not real people. It's not a real group, right? It, exactly. It's there to make you angry. Yeah. But let me go back because we were talking about history. Now, the best way that I found of introducing people to the nuances of history is is I, I implore everybody to watch Oliver Stone's Untold History of the United States. And that I mean, obviously, Oliver Stone, um, ex, I think he was a Marine, but he obviously served. He's a, a phenomenal film writer maker, and a very intelligent man with lived experience. And that documentary, and I hope we can put the links up to that. I think it's uh, 270 minutes or maybe even longer. It explains from early history through Vietnam to Gulf War to present day to Japan, Nagasaki. And it, it explains with a historian, very, very revered historian, just how the propaganda through people like Edward Bernays was twisted and contorted, and the history was told by the victors, and basically, what a you know to, to call it a bunch of lies is a little bit strong. But just how it was contorted slightly to 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 favor to favor us, really, um, yeah. and, and 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 everything that he says in there, as I've done, um, you can research and. Can I just say one thing about Oliver Stone? Yeah, because I mean, he did Platoon, right? Yeah. Oh, what a brilliant Vietnam! You know, portrayal of true true. The bit where uh, is it Kevin Bacon says Kevin Bacon's character says, you know, I love war. You know, I love being in Vietnam. You get to fuck shit up, and no one fucks with you. You know, yeah. That that. Anyone's interested, Sebastian Younger he does that kind of uh he's researched that era. Why do young men love war yeah. even though uh, you know a civilian might think it's atrocious. Why do young men not just love war but they want to go back to the war? yeah, when they get into civilian <laughs> um that that's that's another topic, but yeah, I, I have a theory on that and and well, that's going to be a, a a particular chapter of my book as well. But well, what I want to say, didn't Oliver Stone do JFK? Or am I getting my? Producers? I, I sure. I, I I wouldn't like to say, just in case I got it wrong. It's it, only it that. Me. It's only that. I'm um, just going to Google it. I'm sure. Um, just bear with me, everyone. Yep, um, just Yeah. JFK. <laughs> Oliver Stone. Yeah.
1: This is where um
0: a political thriller film directed by Oliver Stone. There you go, good man. So this is where I get disappointed because you get you kind of get this hero character like Oliver Stone he's an ex-marine, he served in Vietnam. Um so you know, he's got the credentials there, right? He makes a film like platoon. And then he goes and makes a CIA um not a lost, lostly a a misleading CIA film like JFK, right? Now people are wondering what what I'm talking about. It it's there's a really good documentary called Everything's a Rich Man's Trick, and I always suggest people like watch it and it will talk you through beginning to end what the JFK assassination was all about. Who perpetrated it? Why they did it? Who were the gunmen, of which there were 12, believe it or not, right? Who was the actual guy that fired the final shot? How... how and When you know all this, you can then look at footage like this, the Brigo footage and, and other stuff, photographs taken on the day, and you can see these operatives and there are a mix of mafia, CIA, um, and politicians, right? And you can actually see them on the street with walk- the walkie-talkie. You can see the guy; he's been put there. He's got to put his umbrella up if they've missed the president. So he's standing just to see: have they hit the president? No, that round's missed. That round yeah. there was there was. So many shots fired. So many—they say three bullets, right? No, there were so many more. And the guy's on the pavement with his umbrella. And when the the cavalcade, you know, the the cars drew near, yeah. the president is still alive, and so he puts this umbrella up, and that is the sign for the guy down the storm drain, right, America? They've got these huge storm—you yeah. know, what what we call a drain, they call it storm drains, right? The guys in the storm drain, the final sniper, um, and that's why he shot JFK from the front, gets even more bizarre when they uh, tell you about swapping the president's body with a chap called J.D. Tippett, who they blamed Lee Harvey Oswald for shooting dead outside of the movie theater. Right. And. It was like, no, Lee Harvey Oswald didn't have anything to do with it. They needed a body double for the president. Yeah. And this police officer called J.D. Tippett, his nickname was JFK because he was the a spitting image of the president, right? And they needed a fresh cadaver, a body, yeah, to shoot in the right place, like the back of the head, yeah. to make it look like yeah. uh, the, the Lee Harvey Oswald character yeah. did it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we're kind of digressing, but my well, point I, I, can't, I can't comment on um, Oliver Stone's film. I haven't seen JFK, and I don't watch a lot of Hollywood. Um, in regard to JFK and 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 that, I you know, I I I tend not to <clears throat> make any judgment. Um, I watched the film you saw, and, and again, because really, you, you've got to be careful how you get across to people because of the 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 you'll get labelled with everything. But there is most certainly too much um ridiculous lack of evidence in that whole case to not question it um the yeah. fact that you know from what from memory, I do recall that nobody was allowed in the hospital they 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 secured that no one was allowed in, including his wife and 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 so there was obviously a lot of weird shit happening. That's enough of a smoke screen just to just for me just to say. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, but I don't think yeah, it's, like, yeah, exactly. I don't think like they, they exactly. tell us it. Like, and, and when, so that juxtaposed to the fact that we learn everything's a bloody lie anyway, we start following the money, following the, and there was a Hollywood film, um, that I watched. I think it's called The Shooter. Uh, and I think is it Mark Wahlberg, I, I believe. And, and when you watch that film, I don't know if it's, if, if it was based upon JFK, but when you watch that film, you suddenly realize, realize how easy these things are for the CIA or the FBI or Mossad or whoever else is out there. You, you actually, you can see in this Hollywood film, it's that easy to do. Yeah. There's, you've only got to control a certain percentage of the public and there there must be an algorithm right before it doesn't matter who else can see the truth well it's called the bandwagon fallacy you spoke about you referred to it earlier and and there's the things called logical fallacies and this is i always try to there's no point arguing or debating anybody unless people know how the brain works how our biases work how cognitive dissonance works and there's these things called logical fallacies that people employ to, her, to 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 assist their own motivated reasoning and and one of them is one of those logical fallacies is what you speak of and it's called the bandwagon fallacy, which means if enough people believe in something I'll believe in it yeah and it doesn't matter who <clears throat> sees the truth there's no. too many there's too many people on the bandwagon they're just yeah. gonna ride over yeah and these yeah. these these uh, sociopaths they understand this because Very, very much they understand it. You know, they've been doing it for like I say, thousands of years yeah. and yeah. yeah. But it's fascinating when you see how they do it and um, it it you know, again it's all part of in enlightenment. I'm I'm kind of a I think it's impossible to read nineteen eighty four and then not see that there's an agenda in the world. Well, the best baseball cap i see is is um what is it um nineteen eighty four was not an instruction manual or something yeah. <laughs> and brave new world as well or orders or huxley <clears throat> or what as i call it a brave new nineteen eighty four and I think the closest we're coming to a new um george orwell is 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 ben elton um and he writes amazing books um and his 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 latest one called blind faith. It's, it's very hard to read without seeing that that's a prediction of the future. That's quite yeah. scary, actually. And he writes yeah. very good conspiracy books as well. So for people listening, if you haven't read 1984, you absolutely must. Is if it still books? I don't think it was ever a main text. <laughs> Although there are abridged versions, so maybe it yeah. was. But But for people listening, it's like if you really want to know what is going, taking place in society now, why people hate each other and, and, you know, why the language is changing. If you notice, there's so many new words in our language, but they're all negative. You know, they're all there for control. Yeah, they're all there. What is it like? Influencer. Yeah. You know, is it is a new speak word. It's someone that's there to. uh, Woke. Yeah, all you know, all these. I mean, woke's quite a quite a, a good one, I'd say, a good good newspeak word. But no, it's I, a lot I, of... I, I, I'll disagree with you there because I think woke's used in the wrong way, as opposed to what I think you you what you, you what you're trying to say is is when someone becomes awake or enlightened. Whereas woke is, is slightly different. What does woke mean then? Well, I think woke is more of a. A, a lesser sort of left-wing—I um, um, hate to use the phrase—but left-hard saying where they think they they woke to things like climate, ah. and, and so where, where they they're not quite—they're they're only one layer of the onion. Yeah, yeah. They they and they peeled. think they they think they've yeah. got the whole picture, and that's the irony.
1: And everything's yes, bloody yes.
0: binary with them as well. But in 1984. How clever, you know, he said that they have this TV screen in the house and it's a, a two-way screen, so it's filming you all the time, but also you're getting brainwashed by who he calls yeah. Big Brother, right? Yeah. Well, that is – what an analogy for a, a mobile phone. You know, Where are we self- headed? Where are
1: we headed? I and mean, it's just – exactly, an book. Yeah.
0: It's exactly – like what do we have we have snapchat and we have facebook and messenger in ben elton's book it's it's just permanent screen in your house and and you just your whole group of people it's just, you're just 24/7 wow. and I, I you know at first i sort of you know i read it as a, as fiction and but now i read it as a, a, almost reality And when you start thinking about facebook live and and um <clears throat> It, it, it seems to be coming that way. And as you said, it's just going back 1984, predicted it. Well, exactly. <clears throat> and there's also this whole agenda to, to soften men up. I'm not talking about making men more caring oh, absolutely. or, or, absolutely. Yeah, or yeah, better yeah. individuals. I'm yeah. talking about stealing their identity yeah. by by suggesting that You know, you you can have a choice in whether you're a man, you're male or female. And again, I know this is a very um, difficult subject for a lot of people, and I don't mean any offence whatsoever. But what I would suggest is this infighting now that's developed over issues which essentially aren't really issues if you approach them with just a scientific you know with a clinical scientific approach right but they've been they're getting blown out of all proportions because it plays into this agenda of setting the people up to hate each other yeah and of course while the people are all hating each other they're they not with murder yeah, they're not that's focused. The, no. That's the irony of it all, right? Let's let's all argue the toss about the small points. Well, well, we missed the big points. Yeah. Well, they invade seven countries in the next five years. Yeah, and it, but it makes you wonder if there's something. You know, it really does make you wonder how it all. I don't even know if I want to say how it all works. I mean, I just do think there's an agenda. Sure. If um, I've heard mentioned the Council of the Council of Five Thousand, I think it's called. It's this esoteric. uh, I don't even. I wouldn't call it. It's not a cult as such. It's this esoteric uh, organization, allegedly, right? where it's kind of dead man's shoes. So it's 5,000 people who are indoctrinated into this highly secretive group to basically control the world, right? Now, for anyone listening, of course, I don't know whether that's true or, or not. What That's not my point. What my point is, <coughs> when you see what's going on, you're like, yeah, that would make sense. <laughs> you know, 5,000 greedy, narcissistic, sociopathic, you know inbred morons who actually meet in private to, to create the absolute nonsense that we're seeing now in the world yeah that would make that that, that kind of makes sense you know but then again i saw a guy on an um, an american podcast quite recently and he was suggesting that Eighty percent, right? Not, not, not fifty, not thirty, not you know, twenty. Eighty percent of people in positions of power in the
1: United States are um,
0: belong to an esoteric agenda, you know. So we're talking. I'm not. I'm not talking about like Freemasons here, you know guys that go down to their lodge on a Friday night and they have their ceremonies and this kind of thing. Uh, we're talking, like, above this kind of level. And this guy reckons it's very dark, very, very dark. And it's like this. My mind couldn't write that off. I couldn't just say, no, that's not, po-. you know, I I because I've seen so much stuff in the world, right? And if you've got guys believing in good, and I believe that human beings are essentially good, I believe it brings out the best in us. I believe you, if you practice kindness and love, you move into the light and life just becomes just really great. You know, I can't imagine being depraved. Um, mate, you know, they, they talk about signing a a Faustian impact, right, so as they say um you so the scenario is that's being suggested you get to a point in life, maybe you're a you're a you're a, a a top at what you do, right, but it doesn't matter if you're the top of what you do. there's thousands of other people in the world, maybe even hundreds of thousands that are equally as good as you, and they're all vying for the top so. For example, musicians is a prime example of this, right? How many times have you been to an open mic night and you see this amateur musician? You think, bloody hell, they should have a record contract, right? They are absolutely superb and they write their own material, right? Well, the thing is, there's hundreds of thousands of these people, right? They get to this position and there's this glass ceiling that's then imposed by let's say the hollywood or the the media industry the Mm -hmm. music industry right and then well what can they do think about it they can cherry pick and the way that they can cherry pick or the way that they can bring people through that glass ceiling is getting them to sign up to a deal whether that's whether that's a contract that's out in the open that everybody can have a look and read, yeah. or whether it's more subtle, like <coughs> Graham, you know, you sign here, you go, we're going to give you a million dollar record deal, yeah. but the, you know, there'll be things you need to do for this. Are, are you happy about great sign? You know, whether it starts like that, we don't know but when you see the desperate levels, some of these celebrities are willing to go to, to keep this, awful egotistic personality in front of the cameras then you start to see how easy i, it be. I yeah. believe and um, if people are wondering what is the faustian pact well um again i'm not the most um cl- the smartest guy in the world but i'm led to believe faust was a, a writer and he wrote he wrote a book or the book was about fat fa- anyway the point is, the Faustian pact is when you sign a pact with the devil. Yeah. What What happens is, is you have to keep your end up. You have to keep that bargain. <clears throat> if If you do and you do the things that are asked of you, and some of them can be very unpleasant. Yeah. You will have, you'll have a riches story. You will yeah. have you your your streets will be paved with gold, but that's all it is. It's it's materialistic. Yeah. Wealth, right. And you will have the adulation that you're that say as a as a music, you know, again, musicians, people have many people who suffer trauma. Right. that want to express themselves that need need a bit of adulation. Right. It's a very dangerous uh, sort of combination. And so. That's anyway, that is the suggestion. So this guy, I, I said on this documentary, he was saying that 80 percent. The people in control of, of the United States—I'm guessing it's—it's worldwide—are all kind of signed up to one agenda of of some sort or or another, right? Well, let's bring this let's bring this into the real world in in, in two examples. What <coughs> one is, um, and and, and <coughs> funnily enough, every time I try to find this on. Um, on a search engine, it gets harder and harder to find. Um, so I I, I, don't, I try not to use Google. I use a search engine called DuckDuckGo, and I'd advise anybody to do it. And if you don't believe me, search for two different things on on, on Google and DuckDuckGo, and you'll find different results. Anyway, to bring what you're saying back into the real world, <coughs> there's Jeffrey Rush, um, the actor. I think he was giving a presentation to Oxford when he talked about um and I can't remember the acronym, but basically he blew the whistle on female actresses writing at the bottom of their C V um an acronym that meant to the effect that we'll do whatever the producer wishes. Um which sort of flies in the face of the Me Too movement a little bit and and, and Weinberg and, and and whatnot. So it's it, it's it's very close to what you're saying, but but real world because that's how those things start. Yeah. But you have to have you have okay. to have that craving for narcissism and that craving for I'll do anything to get
1: there.
0: Yeah. And of course, and there's a much more ugly side to that. But
1: these nexuses they
0: exist. I I very much believe that people like Weinstein and Savile are thrown under the bus. Oh, of course. You know, they are, it's this whole thing again about give the public a little bit of what they want, a little bit yeah. of anger, a little bit of revenge. You know, yeah. we'll give them Jimmy Savile, who's long since dead, so what, Yeah, it doesn't what matter.
1: We'll, yeah, bring him out. Blame it all on him.
0: You know, and we'll give you Weinstein, who just, He's, He's you know, done the, his the, 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 the guy is a predator, right, of the finest order, but, There are far worse people people than him. him. The, the, you know, the, the whole, the, the child abuse thing, I think is a part of why they give you these guys. Of course. Because it keeps the, it keeps the spotlight of these. Away from them. Even bigger sickos, right? But when you see the way it works, I'm going to tell you now, mate, it's, Fucking it, if it wasn't for the fact I'm not scared of anything, yeah, I'd say it's fucking frightening. What I'd say instead is it's fucking fascinating, right? Yeah. I'll tell you why. Uh, Dave Chappelle, right? Very, very funny man. He made a big thing about like he he was talking about exactly what we have just been discussing. This yeah. agenda, right? Yeah. When they offered him a million pounds to re-sign his contract as a comedian. And he went in this meeting and he said the types of people in this room they just scared the shit out of him, right? He could tell he was signing something more than just a a, a cot, right? And he went away, you know, he talks about going to Africa and this kind of stuff. But he went off the scene for ten years, right? Really?
1: Yeah. I'll look this up. When
0: they went well <coughs> the two things. Or probably more than two things. But when they asked him why did you come back, Dave, he's like, Well, you know I thought not being famous would, you know, was the way to go, and I can tell you now that not being famous is pretty shit. <laughs> right, right. That was his he's like, you know, yeah. He says it's, it's uh it's better be famous with a million pounds in the bank than 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 crossing the street and nobody even knows like who who right? So basically, he's saying, I've sold out. that That's what you take from that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, one of the reasons he wouldn't sign that contract is they wanted him to wear women's clothes. And he said, have you not noticed all black comedians? I'm going to say Kevin Hart here, although I'm, I'm, I'm maybe I'm. Getting, I I don't watch mainstream TV. I just, I get all this from 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 the internet, right? Yeah. But you've got these, and if you look at them, all of them at one point or another in their career have had to wear women's clothes, right? To kind of, it's almost like humiliating themselves, right? And Dave Chappelle's like, I noticed this, and I'm not fucking doing it. Why are they doing? Why are they trying to make black men look stupid? You know? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. When he came back, and he re- he actually did sign his contract, he appeared on a on a TV late night show. So it's one of those ones like, um, oh, give me a name, Subject you know, live or something. Yeah, yeah, like Jay uh, Leno, like that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, it wasn't, yeah, think, And anyway, do you know what he walked on wearing? A dress. Yes, <laughs> they did it as surreptitiously as they could. They would argue it's a man's T-shirt, but it's just very long, right? No, it was a dress that came down to almost his knees, right? Now, you tell me if he was not, you you know, if he hadn't been. You've got your million pounds now, Dave. Now you're going to do what we tell you, right? Very odd, isn't it? it? It's incredibly strange. And then when you start to see some of these, the ways that celebrities publicly humiliate themselves. And then the suggestion is, no, it's not. This isn't their behavior. This is them being told you are going to go and behave. You're yeah. going to collect your award at the award show tonight. And yeah. I want you to stand on that stage. and Do this. Yeah. Start gobbing off at the other contestant, you know, yeah. fall off the Madonna, fall off the steps. Yeah. You know, it's it's all these little things that and, and to the uninitiated it's like Oh did oh, you see, see No oh. oh, Did you see that last night on that, yeah. <clears throat> I mean Madonna Madonna fairly recently, I mean talking about twelve months ago, but in, in more recently than her past, she did this thing. Do you do you have you noticed how the female celebrities get in trouble for exposing a breast? The Janet Jackson did it at the Super Bowl um, thing. You know, her breast came up. Madonna did it about a year ago. I haven't... Um, I could uh, Google it, but I feel rude Googling when I should be talking to you. But um, hang on. Well it, well, it makes me wonder what's happening in, in, in the real world news when when that happens, because that takes all the attention. Well... Here's the thing, right? What people are not getting is no. This is ancient symbology. That the, oh. you know, it's ancient <clears throat> symbology. And is you know when the the Freemasons they do their ritual, they have to bare their breasts, don't they? Okay. Well, yeah. Okay. It, it's so. What? And here it is, like the sun. Madonna was right to bear her, her boob at 53, right? This wasn't about Madonna getting her boobs out, right? This, 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 this was nothing about her showing what a feminist she is, right? This is, she's been told to do
1: that. And
0: yeah, I'm looking at the picture now. I, I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, but it is strange. There's, there's just a lot more to this life than meets the eye. Oh, good God! Yeah, and and, and look <clears throat> again. The other point, and I'm going to bring up two more points. Um, so if we want to look at what you're talking about, and we want to apply it to, um, let's say our world, Chris, and and what we've yeah. been through. What I would implore, and if you can put this in the, you know, in, in there, make links to this. If if I would implore people to look up two things. One is um, Project for New America. OK, so just look up the, the Project for the New American Century. Yeah, yeah, yeah for the New American Century, right? So just look that up and then correlate that to two things. Correlate it to the wars that we're fighting at the moment. So young soldiers, um, <clears throat> of which once were we are fighting. And look at the names of the people who are involved in that, because they're, 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 they're common, common, uh, popular, uh, recent names. Um, I think, um, Gary Schmidt and, and Donald Kagan were the perpetrators, writers of it. And it's about America <laughs> dominating the world. But you'll find names like Bush, Cheney, Rumsfeld, Wolsevich, Wolfowitz and Bolton, and they're all still in Congress. Yeah, and and all I'm saying is, don't take my, don't listen to what I'm saying because I could be talking complete poppycock. Just Google it, or or, or duck, duck, go it. Just research it. And the other one, which is really interesting. <clears throat> um, Can it, I it, just? I'm yeah, just. Graham, I'm just going to stop you there because for people yeah. listening that are thinking, what are these? Old bosses is talking about. Yeah. It's the project for the new American century was a neo conservative think tank. Yeah. That came together in America. I don't know um, if came together or was put together is the right word, but basically it was made up of, let's just say, ultra rich neocons neocons so yeah. hawks people that yeah. are out to get yeah. what they can from this yeah. planet and, and, and rape it dry right absolutely um so they formed this team called the project for the new american century and they started to write policy which was then adopted by congress or adopted yeah. by what we would call parliament right forced and one of, and one of the things that they said <laughs> one of the, the documents they wrote was a paper called Re- Rebuilding America's Defenses. Yes. And in that document, it said America needs to uh, establish further dominance in the world. In We're talking in military terms. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in order to secure the kind of wealth for the next few generations. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> so what they're saying is is they need to increase their military presence around the world in order to keep the money flowing to america right and the and obviously the power that goes with it but this is unlikely to happen and until we get a new pearl harbor that's so, the words that are written in it correct yeah so <clears> for <throat> those people that that are wondering about pearl harbor was where the Japanese attacked the American fleet in the Pacific and the Americans used that that uh, attack to, to yeah. enter Second World War. Going back to what we were saying earlier about all war is a lie anyway, yeah. the Americans knew the Japanese were, you know, there were men, people in the American <clears throat> infrastructure, military and otherwise, that knew damn well the Japanese were coming to bomb the fleet. And they just turned a blind eye to the I think it was the radio communications because they could hear the pilots talking because they wanted America to enter enter the war. Why? Because war is hugely profitable. Of course it is. And life is cheap. Right. To them, life life is cheap. cheap. So. So you've got this neoconservative think tank that are waiting. uh, Sorry, that are relying on a new Pearl Harbor. Yeah, to establish American dominance, further American dominance in the world, and then of course you had the events in New York. Of course, <clears throat> so when and then he- then of course that gave them carte blanche to go and create this war on terror, which 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 Bush was the puppet to to um, instigate and to to attack the seven the seven countries being. Um, Iraq, Syria, Lebanon, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, and, and 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 really their big one that they want is Iran, right? And and yeah, I, the, the funny look, thing is here is 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 that that was predicted by General Wesley somebody, um, not predicted. He was he he blew the whistle on that. Um, and today you can Google, you can YouTube him saying that. Yeah, and, that's, and I'll come I, back to the Syria thing in a minute. And am I right in thinking also, if you throw Venezuela and also North Korea into that equation, Mm -hmm. are they not the countries that refused the global banking system? Yeah, they they, they don't have the Federal Reserve. They're, They're not under the Federal Reserve yet. Yeah. So going back again to our Second World War scenario, you had Hitler there. That threw out the bankers out of his country. Yeah. Right. Uh, in essence, he, Germany was living in an impoverished state after the first world war. Hitler served in the first world war. He saw the way that the people back home pulled the rug out from under the soldiers so that they couldn't win that war, even if they wanted to. Um, he then harbored that. Bitterness, as you as it were, yeah. when he saw what was happening to Germany, i.e., it was being carved up by the oh, uh, the, the surrounding nations. <clears throat> Inflation had gone through the roof. People were like to buy a potato, you had to have a wheelbarrow full of money that it was worthless. Right on top of that, you had like mothers and their daughters were having to prostitute themselves in all kinds of hideous ways because. Germany became the brothel of Europe. And if you were a sicko that had some kind of, you know, sick fetish, like you wanted to sleep with a handicapped child or That's where you went on holiday. Like, you went to Germany to do it right. <clears> he <throat> was seeing all this going on and he's like he wanted to turn it around. He wanted to take back autom- autonomy autonomy for Germany. And one of the first things he did in in this rise to power or when he established power was he kicked out the Rothschilds, right? The global banking system, the world bank, because he could see this world banking system keeps all of us in money, slavery, this having to pay interest all the time. And what essentially is bits of paper printed by greedy little men. Yeah. You know, People don't know what the World Bank, uh, you know, the World Bank, uh, not the World, I keep saying the World Bank, but the, the, the central, firm. yeah, or, or, or in, e- in each country, it's the called World the central bank, bank right? Central, yeah. In London, there's a central bank. It doesn't belong private. to England. It's private. So again? It's private. Yeah, privately yeah. owned. It's a private company. Yeah. The people that give you your money are private people. Yeah. That money isn't backed by gold or anything, so yeah. it's not worth anything. So they're yeah. giving you a bit of paper to go and buy your house yeah. and then they're charging you yeah. interest on it's a bit of paper. It's yeah. nothing. And you have to pay back 10 yeah. percent on that piece of paper. And they can print yeah. as much as they want. Yep. And they're allowed to put out the banks are then allowed to lend more. More money than is in the actual system. Yeah. Yeah. And so when these rich old banking families decide they want to pull the plug and they want to consolidate all that wealth, what they do is they start putting uh, uh, interest rates up. People start defaulting on the loan. Yeah. The small companies start folding because the money isn't in circulation to pay these loans back because the banks have lent out 10 times more yeah. the money than is in the actual yeah. system. So the people, the money, this money can't come back in. So the small companies fold. The big companies owned by these big players hoover up all those small companies. So they dominate the industry and they take all that wealth. That is what you, when you hear about these final financial yeah. collapses, What what is behind them? It's private yeah. individuals playing the system, right? Hitler saw this and he said, you're not doing that in my country, son. Off you fuck, right? So of course what did they do? They went to their to England and set, and and using all the power of um that comes with being the richest people in the world, they then used the corrupt politicians in England to start focusing a war effort on Germany, right? And then of course yeah. when Hitler was that he inva- invaded he I don't think he invaded Poli- Poland. I think he put his troops on the border he put them on the, on the border of of, of um, Poland there and Germany, and, and he said that if the French had marched in, they would have been annihilated. Yeah, and, and then he caused a false flag, of course. It's irrelevant whether what his intentions were. Yeah. That yeah. that wasn't important to these bankers. In the, in they the just, area, whatever. It was called. They just needed a, an act that could be look like aggression, yeah. so they could put send the send the send yeah. Britain to war, right? So the, So when when you see people at, at Remembrance going, Oh, this can never happen again, our oh, brave it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The soldiers are very brave to go off. I mean, the amount of people that died in the first and second world war is utterly horrific, you know. These are ch- just children a lot of them, right? Or sent in waves and upon waves. To to attack an enemy that just machine gunned them down or at least and amazing Earth. how many how many millionaires were made during oh, that oh and what people don't know is the bush family if you trace it back they they were they were playing both sides of the war along oh, with my. the Rothschilds and the and the rockefellers oh, you oh. know and J P Morgan they were all controlling the banks in the different countries in the same war, so the same banking family is making money off Germany and it's making money off Britain and it's making money off France, right? So it's, so a, bit this, like, it's a bit like Trump having shares in Raytheon, yeah, Trident missile or, or is it Trident or one um, of the, the, the missiles that he used to attack Syria? Their airbase, which were pretty impotent missiles, but he, he makes a fortune every time he launches a, a, a missile. Well. George Bush was in Auschwitz, right? Saying, "Oh, this can never, this can never happen again," right? He's referring to, to you know, what, what? what, Surprisingly, he found his way there. Yeah, well, he's referring to to the Holocaust, right? (laughs) Yeah. What he's not telling the public is his family had a factory in the town of Auschwitz you know it's it's called Oswie- Oswieciem in Polish I've I've been yes. there I like to you know yeah. I like to put my money where my mouth is and go and see yeah. these places so then I then informs my opinion on them and I've got a yeah. lot of interesting things I can say about that probably at another time but yeah they had a steel a, a, a steel factory and or there was a steel factory there and the Bush family worked it to get the slave labor from Auschwitz to Work in this factory of which their one of their grandfathers was had had a controlling share. So very, right? similar, so, very similar to BASF. Yeah, and yeah. I'm not saying this with any kind of surprise or whatever. No. I'm just saying this is how That's these guys me. work. They don't give a fuck about you, and they, and you know, and they don't care about me. No. Now, here's the thing. I have an issue now with remembrance. Because as much as, yeah, we're going to remember our fallen comrades um, and we're going to honour honor the fallen and, and by God, you know, it was just all horrendous. There's no taking that away. But what I have the problem with is, is by buying into this, these guys did it to save us. They did it for our frick It's like, no, they didn't. They died needlessly to make bankers even richer than they already are and by going and and wearing your poppy and I'm not, this is not about whether you should wear a poppy or not, you know, I I personally I do Um, but it's about saying while you buy into that narrative these bastards are just going to do the same thing again, you know and so rather than you know, dreadfully sad you know, if you really care about the Second World War, the First World War, you know what, and you really don't want young men to go off and lose their, stop going and voting it for these puppets that don't care about you. They don't work for you. Yeah, they might sort you some tax credits, which gives you the illusion that oh, look, I've, I've got twenty more pounds a week in my bank. These Labour, love no Labour, Conservative, they're all the same rich. Elitists that went to the same public schools that that, like I say, they don't. It's not even they don't care about you. They they despise you for being. Well, what, what's the saying? It's like voting for the for which dose of the clap you'd like best. Yeah, <laughs> and and yeah, also not... if, if voting made a difference, they wouldn't allow us to do it. It's like being uh, put up against the wall to be shot, but they very kindly let you vote on. Whether this guy's going to shoot you or that one? Ah, oh, is yeah. that not a democracy? Yeah. Yeah. Is that yeah. not democracy? Right. So my point is, isn't to slander anyone, to diminish that anyone's war effort? We're we're <laughs> both ex-military, we've both been in a the theatre of war, and and we don't want other young men to make. I don't. We didn't make mistakes. We just didn't know, Graham. Did we? You just know. Didn't know. Just don't It's a Northern Ireland. And again, I'm not commenting on the politics there, but I didn't know anything about them when I was 18 or I was 19. Course, you, you get told what you get told in, in, in your briefings. And I was, at times there, my behaviour towards who I thought was the enemy when I was dealing with the, the what the, the BBC will call IRA terrorists, what the Irish will call freedom fighters yeah okay when i was dealing with these people because you 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 literally bumped into them on the street and of course you've got an automatic weapon you just say stop sunshine i want to yeah. speak to you right i'm 19 year old years old for crying out loud what what kind of god <laughs> given right did yeah. i have to st- stop this guy he's 50 and what life experience did not- you have to make any he's, conclusions knows, oh, you know he, he certainly knows more about this situation than me yeah so, all I would say is I, I say, I'm saying what I'm saying because, because I have respect for the troops. You know, it's not the other way around. It's like I respect the young men and women that are going to be put into a theater war at some point in the future and they're going to die. Yeah. And I respect them so much that I will say, my, you know, I will say my bit because I'm not brainwashed. I don't That's watch right. these tv i've, I've yeah. long since you know yeah i've long since uh stopped that nonsense right i'm i'm a free thinker and i always have been and i think part of the reason is when you grow up a bit of an angry young man it's like you ain't gonna let other people tell you what what yeah. you're gonna think you know i, I well, at school i wouldn't let myself be bullied graham you know yeah whereas i was actually probably a prime candidate because i come from a quite a disturbed background yeah certainly a lot of upheaval it's like i no one's going to get one over, you know yeah it's like no one's going to get one over on me right and it's the same in my life now it's like like you know you put a gun to my head it's like you're not going to intimidate me you're just not going to intimidate me pull the trigger see you, you know that, that's and it's the same that 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 It's like, I won't be bullied by these people, you know, I won't be bullied. I'll, I'll say my bit. And it, and it's just a shame that very few, uh, let's use the expression ex servicemen, but former servicemen, ex servicemen. Yeah. They, they don't see what you and I see now, right? They're still on that journey that we were when, like I said, back when I was 19, I thought the world was like this because that's what the media told me. And that's what the boffins in the army, uh, in the Marines told me. Yeah. But luckily through traveling through, you know, 80 different countries and going through addiction and writing books and studying at university and reading and reading and then more reading and then observing the world and talking to people and, and making just, more than my fair share of mistakes right I've learned to see the world in a very different light of course well let me I'll come back I I have a theory on that which I'll come back to but you've just addressed quite a lot of subjects so let me try and just flick some of them off um I, I, I implore anybody who's listening to this not to believe us two old farts at, at all. Um, but I also will give, and if you can link them, um, things to look up so you can find it out for yourself. So we talked about banking first. <coughs> Go on YouTube and look how the Federal Reserve works. That's all you need to do. A five-minute video on YouTube about how the Federal Reserve works. It will enlighten you to everything that you just said, Chris. Then to back that up and find out where the Federal Reserve came from, research Jekyll Island. Yeah. Right. And that will explain to you that this nexus of of very powerful people got together and formulated in secret this control thing. So what what that starts doing, Chris, is instead of just listening to two derelict, old, bad-backed ex-military people who sound grumpy, you can actually find it out for yourself, right? You, you, you can go and find it out for yourself. And if you find it out for yourself and you follow your nose and you go down your own rabbit hole, you'll start believing that stuff. Right. Graham, I think this is the perfect point in our conversation to... um, What's that word the Americans use? What's that bloody... bicycle? Take, take. Segway, that's it. This is the perfect point to segue into ptsd and the reason i say that is yeah part of the reason i try to enlighten people as to what war is really about you know yeah not freedom and democracy that's what george bush the bush family want you to believe so they can get even richer right is when you go into a war zone you have to kill people yeah and it's not nice and it's not pleasant Yeah. I've read many books on the Falklands now and I, it's just so visceral and unreal what they had to do down there. Yeah. You know, the, the Marines and the paras had to crawl up to trenches that had 16 year old conscripts in. So basically, again, I use the term children because I was a child until I was about 47. Yeah. Right. You know, I was vulnerable. I, I, I just didn't know stuff, right? Yeah. But these almost literally were these are teenagers at most, right? And the, uh, the marines and the had to crawl up to that trench, pull the pin on a grenade, and chuck it in, right? Some of them. What? One of the marines, his famous catchphrase was "Warning," like that. You know, he, he, he'd wake them up so he could see their faces before he threw the grenade in, right?
1: And here's the thing.
0: Whichever way you look at that, that's an atrocity. It's a, an atrocious scenario, right? You, if you perpetrate that, you then have to live with it, right? I'm not trying to put a guilt thing or trigger no, people No, in it's here. just I'm, mm. I'm just saying what needs to be said so people... Can consider this before they get sent to, to one of these sham wars and they start leveling villages with, with 100,000 pound rockets, you know, multi million pound rocket systems that yeah. fire 100,000 pound rockets or 30,000 pound mortars or whatever, or laser guided missiles. Yeah. All that money, all the public's taxpayer money is paid for that. That all goes to these private corporations, right, that don't care about you. And they certainly don't care about me. And you need to be aware of this because if you do go and hurt someone, you then have to come out the other side and deal with it, right? Now, forgiveness is everything, and 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 there 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 are ways to move forward from what we did when we were young, right? And I've done despicable things in 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 the past, and I, I I yeah, and that's where they are now. I've I've left them in the past because. We can only be productive and create a good society when we know how to. Right. We can't mm. go blaming ourselves for stuff that we didn't know. Right. But uh, when it comes to PTSD, it must be very hard for somebody who's gone and hurt somebody in a, a, you know, destroyed a family in a theater of war who then comes through the awakening that you and I have and goes, do you know what? That war was a crock of shit. Yeah. And then they've got to deal with that mindset. It's what uh, I call the Vietnam principle, where you you know, um like the Mile the malay massacre and, and, and the, the, the helicopter pilot that stopped his own troops from from, from killing um Viet Cong, raping them. So well, even in Kong, they were the villagers, innocent villagers, weren't they? Yeah, the, absolutely. And and the and the Yanks were just stoned, going mad, and just got absolutely postal and started killing them and raping them. And the and and the helicopter—I forget his name. I apologize because he's one of my absolute heroes. He yeah. landed uh, Huey in, in between them and and told his gunners to train the guns on his own troops. And of course, he—you yeah. know—that caused a lot of trouble. But he, he's my you know my absolute idol what what a freaking hero um but what you're talking about in ptsd is what i call or or, or label the vietnam complex so you've gone you've been brainwashed you fought a good fight you've killed terrorists you come home and you find out it's all a freaking lie and -hmm. and you break up to that and 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 that's as, as you said that Earlier that some of these ex-military never wake up to that, and, and and maybe that's because it's going to be too painful to wake up to that. And and the ones that do have got to come uh, have got to try and um somehow consolidate with that uh, and come to terms with that. And that's a very, very, very hard thing to do, and that's one of the, the most complex parts of my counsel. I've been I'm a trained crisis counsellor, and, and I worked here for Lifeline. Um, and I try to counsel off my own Facebook page, ex um, fr- frontline staff, emergency staff and, and, and vets. And, and it's the most complex one, is is it, people who uh, they have woken up, um, have become enlightened to the fact that they've just done three tours in, in an illegal war or a dirty war or whatever you want to call it. And, and they possibly killed people that were... Were, were innocent and they weren't insurgents or, or they were actually defending their own country. Perhaps they were the honorable ones. Um, yeah. in, in yeah. The next, this fight, this, this, this war against freedom, uh, war against terrorism or, or whatever it is. And the, the best people who, who, who hit the nail ahead are, 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 are comedians, really, as an Australian comedian. I'll try and remember his name and Bill Hicks. And, you know, what happens when you catch the, the terror? How do you have a war on terror? It's, it's, it's an oxymoron, but that's a complex issue with PTSD. Um, I like um Doug Doug Stanhope. Oh, he's brilliant, isn't he? He's like he's um he, he's got he's he's got this. I, I can't remember what his gag is, but it's something like he gets he he occasionally will get heckled by a you know a U.S. Marine or something for it's yeah. he, very he really talk about nationalism yeah well they generally don't tend to be marines in his audience because they don't get his sense of humor, no. you know but his thing is is like yeah war i love it i i love the armed forces i think all the fucking assholes should go and join it and go off to war and get killed right kind <laughs> of um uh, it's a it's a, it's it's a bit near the knuckle but what he's trying to say is, is he is yeah he's very clever like, He's trying to say that there's a lot of kind of almost like sociopathic young men and and women join the forces to go off and kill, and that mindset is, is quite disturbing. Well, we, How, there's somebody who said something the other day that that I that rang true to me, and that is that that as, as a nation, I'm r- talking. Can I just say, Graham, so people yep. don't misunderstand me. I'm yeah. talking about these gung ho, trigger happy. I'm going to say um, uh, Americans, although I'm sure there's people in, yeah. in our ranks too, yeah. that, that they don't care like whether that guy's really an enemy or not. They just want to kill someone. Yeah. There
1: yeah,
0: And they've got rock music playing to hype them up while, while, while they do it. <clears> Plus <throat> they're fueled <throat> with, with, righteousness. They've been indoctrinated with righteousness to kill the things- them. Up. One of the things Ben Griffin says is when he was in SAS in, in, in the Middle East, they'd go out and do house searches in the night. He said very rarely they could find anyone on the terrorist wanting list. He said most of the time it's just happy fam, you know, terrified families. They'd go back to their operating base every, every morning and go, no, nothing happened last night. The Yanks would come in. Yay. You know, we got five kills. And the Brits and Ben Griffin's thing is, like, who the fuck were you killing? Because we couldn't find anybody. You know, the suggestion is they just wanted they were killing anybody, right? Well, well, they were probably recruited in the Walmart car park. Well, there you go. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And and unfortunately, if you fight lots of wars, you need a lot of soldiers, and so the standards drop. Yeah, Graham, could you, for the benefit of people listening? Just give a, a kind of short synopsis on what PTSD is. Um, I, I know it's, I know that we're coming to realize now it's not one single thing like we used to maybe think it was. It's very, yeah. very complex. So if um, I'll, I'll give my definition for sure, <clears throat> which, which the, the first thing I, I'll, I'll say is I call it post-traumatic stress. So I, I don't call it a disorder because I don't believe it's a disorder I believe it's a reaction yeah and and I, don't, I believe it's a reaction from your nervous system um and the other thing I'll say is i, I I'll never say that I suffered with PTSD I'll say that I experienced PTSD because yeah. the wording of, of I suffered means that it's it, 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 it's then a disorder or it's a problem but but really it's a to me it's a reaction and and I'll try and qualify what I'm saying <coughs> I don't believe it's a psychological um uh condition I believe it's a physiological condition so yeah. I explain it like this in my videos I make I've made some videos to try and explain it and, and where I've drawn upon my my belief system is from um Bessel van der Kolk who wrote um the Body Keeps the Score, uh, a leading authority on PTSD, and Professor Gordon Turnbull in the UK, who treated Terry Waite and, and John McCarthy back when, when that happened. Um, so for, you know, the people, for the sake of people listening, they were taken hostage in the Middle East. They spent yeah. many years basically chained to a radiator. Yeah, And when they came back, they were helped by this gentleman to rehabilitate themselves yeah. into, into yeah. normal life. And he's, he's ex, he, well, he's obviously a psychiatrist or psychologist. He's also ex REF and he was Mountain Rescue. So he's had a bit of life experience as well. And he's, he, he's considered a, you know, a global authority on PTSD or PTS. Can you, can you get life experience in the REF? Um, I'm not really sure. I, I, suppose if you go, um, Mountain Rescue, you might get a little bit. I didn't know, I didn't think you guys left the, uh, left the camp. Not often. Why would yeah. you? Why would Sorry. you? And and luckily I'm playing, enough. No, 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 luckily when I in the regiment, it was before the five miles of death, so I obviously <laughs> survived, which is pretty good. I was very lucky there to miss that.
1: Um, so post traumatic stress.
0: I I experienced it for many years and then I learned how to deal with it. I then counseled many, 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 many people and I worked out through critical thinking, some similarities. Now, the first thing is, if you catch the flu, which I'm trying not to catch at the moment, if you go to the doctor and the the, the doctor will say, what symptoms do you have? And you say, sore throat, aching muscles, headache, sneezing, coughing, you'll have a selection of those and he'll say, well, there's the flu going around. Here's your drugs. This is how we treat the flu. In my experience, what what he doesn't say, so what the doctor doesn't say is, how did you contract the flu? He doesn't say, did you kiss someone? Did someone sneeze on you? Did you shake hands? Have you been on an aeroplane with air conditioning? He just knows it's the bloody flu, and he gives you the treatment for it.
1: So it's a physiological illness. Now, with post-traumatic stress, <coughs> excuse me,
0: from all my years of experience in counseling people with post-traumatic stress, it manifests in pretty much the same way. It doesn't matter <clears throat> whether you spent five years in war, six months in war, three tours of war, dropped grenades on people, saw people get killed, kill people, were raped as a child, bullied as a child, in a bad car accident, fell out of a tree. We're held hostage however you contract pts it manifests in 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 pretty much the same way now that alone tells me that it's a physiological condition and therefore we must treat the physiological condition which means we can remove the stigma from it yeah right instantly remove the stigma. Um, that's easy for us to remove the stigma. Obviously, if you're if you're a frontline policeman or if you're you're still an active soldier, people still have a a view of the stigma about it and think that it's a psychological condition and you're you're weak. So they won't come forward for help, and that's that's the awful sad thing about it because it's in my view it's quite easily treated and it's a very temporary condition. Um, and again, can I just say, and I won't yeah. keep interrupting, but Sorry. it's that same, it's that same bigoted view in the forces that prevent people seeking help for addiction. Yes. You know, we drink beer. It's fine. You know, we don't do that drug shit. Yeah. It's like, no, it's like, they're all drugs, guys. Get, get, yeah. get over it. Beer is like the worst. Alcohol is, as a substance misuse specialist, Awful. it's the worst it's a, drug. it's it destroys people, right? Destroys um, families. So, so having this attitude that, you know, if you have any kind of mental, um, um, disorder makes you weak, is that kind of same thing? It's, it's these few bigoted people that prevent the, 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 the majority from seeking yeah. help. Yeah. And, and it's, it, the military is a very ego driven environment. So, so let's bring this back a little bit to the military, because that's what we're talking about and that's where we're from. So I tried to trace things back as to why the military people experience post-traumatic stress so much, Um, because the percentage of military people getting it was surprisingly few, surprising more than, than, say, my ambulance buddies or or, or police. and I've managed to trace some part of it back and map some of it. And this isn't all of it. This is there's tentacles. But one of the reasons is Chris, and and uh, you know talking to you, I, I've already worked out that you know why you joined the military as well. Two reasons we join the military. One is, well, sorry, there's more than two, but but two that pertain to post traumatic stress is one. We come from broken families, or we come from traumatic pasts and we don't have a family so we go and join the military because the first human need is family or tribe so maslow's triangle and, and and other platforms frameworks our first human need is to belong to a family so we go and find a family and that's the military and then we 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 we, we give our allegiance to that family so- Maslow, for people who are unfamiliar, Maslow was a sociologist. He came up with this theory that there's a triangle and that for human... And, and if you think of the top of the triangle as actualization, which is what I've been saying, um, calling enlightenment, right? Yeah. So, ha- pure happiness. He's like saying there's there's a base of this triangle or think of it as a pyramid. You need to build your base so that's your basic needs, like food, fire, and water. Then you've got shelter. Then you've got human relationships. Then on top of that, you've got um fulfillment. So getting, and what he's saying, Maslow was saying, is you've got to fulfill those basic needs in order to work to a point in your life where you can ultimately become yeah. sort of happy. So yeah. a guy that a guy that hasn't got any food in his stomach or anywhere yeah. to sleep one night isn't particularly going to be worrying yeah. about reading about Karl Marx or no. self help book or this kind of thing. But the guy that's got all three. that stuff in place yeah. is in a position to kind yeah. of, you know, cherry pick his life life a bit. Yeah. And yeah. and what you're you're saying, Graham, is that for young people, we haven't even got that stable no. bottom part of the, you know, i mean i'm a great example of that because i was living in my car when i joined the marines you know or certainly when i went down the recruiting office i was homeless for the second time in my life but i didn't even have a roof over my head well unless unless you call a a renault 12 state car roof um so yes yeah, so this is a, a, a an indicator of Or a driver behind a lot of people joining up in the first place. It is. is. So so trauma drives people to join a family. Now, it's not just the military. Um, Biker gangs are very, very similar because they're the same type of family. You get your colors, your totem, your badge, your honors, your ranks. It's a very similar thing. And you'll find that it's full of the very similar people. Um, And if you could harness bikers and put them in the military, you'll find they're very good soldiers. The second thing. Um, that, that I found, and this was through speaking to um, an ex-military psych here when I came to Australia first to sort myself out, was and is that a lot of the military um, uh, are actually have a, a, a an ADHD-type brain makeup. Um, and you certainly have, and I'll say that absolutely without fear of saying that. Whether you know it or not, I guarantee you have just from talking to you for, for for half an hour and therefore could you you just sum up what adhd is then for people that might not be i'll i'll do it in a nicer way because adhd is just okay attention deficit hyperactivity disorder is is what it says in the dsm sorry what what were you saying (laughs) exactly (laughs) (laughs) squirrels and people with that makeup they they need they, they they're thrill seekers and they love they have to have something to do. And they love to be told what to do. So the military is full of these people. Now, I don't call it ADHD, I call it Da Vinci type makeup. And and it's a genetic polymorphism of the gene DRD4. And ten percent of society have this polymorphism, which is the thrill-seeking gene. Um and most of those people are incredibly successful people, Michael Jordan. Bill Gates. Lots of these people, are, but also a lot of them who haven't become, haven't recognized their brilliance, um, become big failures as well. So <clears throat> this was written about by a psychologist called Otto Rank, who was a protégé of Sigmund Freud. But his books never got noticed or recognized because they only applied to 10 percent of society. So he never really, although he's absolutely right. And what he called was. He, he labelled it um, the neurotic Da Vinci or the artistic Da Vinci um, after Leonardo da Vinci, who was obviously ADHD. Right, he had yeah. so many projects on the go and, and and was a genius and didn't finish most of them. So we joined the military, and 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 it sort of goes to what you were saying earlier about people just wanting the action and the the, the, the it's it, it's so glamorous for thrill seekers. Where else do you get that? You, you, there are other jobs, you know, but but the military is one of those main ones. So <clears throat> with childhood trauma, or if you like, complex post traumatic stress, you then go into a war zone, or your ADHD, you then go into a war zone. We've already got a predisposition for post traumatic stress.
1: When we leave the military, we're leaving that family
0: that we had. <clears throat> and you referred earlier to you know to, 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 to some ex-military people who don't get it. But you, Chris, you 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 since you've left, you've done some other stuff, right? You've done some amazing things. And and the military or the Marines doesn't define you. You you define mm-hmm. you. And and I've done some amazing things, and this is where my argument about civilian bashing comes into it. Because I've worked with better civilians than I have with some of my ex-military people. I've seen some rubbish ex-military people and some amazingly brave civilians who I've worked with, whether that's in aid work or whether that's in paramedics or or even in in, in Africa as a a guide. Um, So you can't just put this stupid military people are the best and civilians are idiots. You, You And, and, and what that happens is that people, because the military is the best and only thing they've done, and then they, they get out and they go through something that I've labeled adjustment disorder, where they can't, and and also civilian life is a lot harder than military life. In the military life, everything's done for you, right? Civilian life, you've got to have your own bank account, your own car, your own insurance. You've got to, you've got to, no one else is going to look after for you. Look after you out there, you haven't got any mates around you you, you know it, it, it's just not happening you you've gotta you've gotta do it and so if they get out and they they were a corporal or a sergeant and and then they they had all the respect and they had this false forced lording or respect in the military because you have to respect rank and then they get out and become a carpenter a truck driver a or whatever they, they no longer do they have that. Um, respect, and that's a very hard thing to adjust to. Um, and again,
1: something quite interesting. I, I
0: think quite a lot of times, people ex military who have left become depressed, it's just, just depression, clinical depression. Yeah, can I just chip in here and yep. say that the, the issues that these ex military guys so they come from this very Coseted career where everything's done for you, right? We, we both know that. Yeah. You've also had this thing like when you're in military, you're up there, whether it's your you green berry or, or you, you know, a cherry berry or, yeah. you know, you're up there. You've been led to believe that civilians are shit because that makes it easier to go and kill other people yeah. if you think you're superior, right? But you come out of the military and then things don't go well for you. So you're not this big, big fish in a little pond anymore yeah. or a little fish in a very big pond, very big pond you've been taught that your best coping mechanism is alcohol yeah All right. Uh, things aren't straightforward in Civvy Street, relationships are, are more complicated you know yeah. when you have a disagreement at work for example you can't just tell the person I'll see you outside and have a yeah. punch up and then yeah. shake hands and it's done with yeah. it's it's got to be done through these channels, all of which just seem so pathetically jobs worth to you and tedious. Yeah, you have you have to work with people that don't have your value system. Okay, yeah. they may have better values in different ways, but you know, in in the military, you have a problem with someone, you go to their face and you tell them. Yeah, in civilian street, in your office someone's got a problem with you what do they do they go behind your back and yeah. they go and see your manager yeah and then they come back and sit in the t- chair opposite you and start telling you about their Pat lunch and what they watched on yeah. telly as if as if they haven't just gone and grashed you up to the senior yeah, manager so, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. you go, and then you go and get you know maybe a disciplinary action against you and they can and that that is normal to them right these are things that are hard for service people to accept and as such the alcohol becomes more the the lack of self the anger. loss of I- anger the loss of identity, identity
1: yeah.
0: family relationships start to suffer right because you take, you're taking it out on the person who loves you the most your partner yeah. Yeah. and your children yeah you'll then set, it's then it becomes a situation of well listen honey you're becoming too much so you need to go away and sort your stuff out because it's yeah. not fair on me and the children. So then you lose your family, right? This, yeah. I'm just giving different examples here. And this is where you'll go to your GP and say, you know, things aren't really going well. And for, for good, for bad and, and for whatever, he might go, ah, PTSD, right? Yeah. It's really true. Now he might be. Suggesting that what you saw in Iraq or Afghanistan or Northern Ireland is the cause of all this. Whereas what we've just explained, Graham, is no, there's a load of factors, you know. There's our damaged childhoods, which meant we weren't very well cookies in the first place. We didn't really have our house in order. We went to this massive indoctrination called the military before before we even knew who (laughs) we were, right? Yeah. We were then closeted and looked after and told that we were the. You know, the big cheese. Yeah. the elephant's they body, remove, So, to so speak. you remove your 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 flight and freeze response in yeah. training. Mm. And then we come out the other end of that brainwashing machine and, and that big up machine and realise no we're deep actually programming. no deprogramming whatsoever. Yeah. 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 We're like a we're like a rock star coming off stage. He's on stage, his head is this big. Yeah. The second he steps through that exit door, he goes His head goes, he realizes I'm actually just Joe Bloggs. I'm just completely normal. So what does he do? Hits the drugs, isn't it? To get that, to get that feeling back again. And this is, this is what we're seeing with where you get this PTSD label is it's a whole raft of complex, complex, uh, ingredients. And the problem, with throw in this blanket term is then when you do get people suffering the stress of war. For example, Jason Fox from the TV yeah. program SAS Who Dares Wins, yeah. a fellow Royal Marine of mine. Yeah. I met Jason actually, very, very nice man. Yeah. The book he's written is just an exceptional brave uh expose of what he went to when when the stress of war And he will openly say, he will openly say it wasn't to do with my child. I had a great childhood, right? He said it was just the stress of war and feeling you're invincible and then get to the fulcrum point where it starts to tip and realising actually a lot of my mates are dead. I'm not invincible. And I'm actually a bit scared of this now. And I want to go home and be with my family. And he says at that moment he realised something wasn't right. And yeah. his career was never gonna be the same again, yeah. right? So that for me really is PTSD for, you know. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, <clears throat> oh, I, and you hear a lot of people go, oh, they used to call it shell shock. Well, it's like what Jason is describing is more what I would call shell shock. You know, this like real. Your nerves have been frayed for yeah. so long. You've been on edge. You, the, you, edge. You've, you've had too much cortisone and too much adrenaline pumping through your body for too long. And that's not yeah. a good. Adrenaline cortisone is, is good if a tiger walks around the corner and you need to run away. But for, yeah. to have it for six months and then come home for two months, and then go for another six months and another and another and another. Eventually, your nervous system is going to start defaulting because we're only human. We're only a body and a system and a lump of plastic. And it can only take so much of those hormones, of those stress hormones. And 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 then you're going to start getting ill. This comes back to what I'm saying about fitting in with the universal plan is war is extreme. You're you're out there in your box of your own. You're not a part of this beautiful thing called the universe, right? You're operating and putting your body at odds with your environment. And you can only do that, like, for so, so long. There's a very strange irony, Chris, as well, um, where people become addicted to it. Um, I think the Hurt Locker, uh, the film The Hurt Locker alludes to this. Um, and, and I saw it when, when I was an aid worker in Bosnia with, um, not just aid workers who would go from one war zone to another, but the, but the photographers and the reporters, they, they become addicted to this crazy life and war zones. And they follow them from one place to another because they, when they go back, they just cannot fit in to normal people's problems. Um, and they don't, and they don't get the buzz, you know? No. So, and, and it's just mundane and first world problems. I'm conscious here that for anyone listening that think they might be experiencing any of the things we've talked about, what what can people, the first thing I'd like to say is, whatever, I mean, I've been through lots of trauma in my life. I went through trauma as a child, as a very, very young, well, probably as a baby as as yeah. well, if I was honest. I also went through the trauma of working for the Hong Kong Triads and suffering crystal meth psychosis. So I was mentally ill yeah. whilst working <clears throat> for the Hong Kong Triads. Yeah, I,
1: that's I was not, only a, I was, not a good
0: thing. Only a, Yeah. Yeah, I was only a Uh, doorman. I mean, I was a doorman for them. If anyone's wondering what I did, yeah. Well, (laughs) here is the thing: when I, you know, when I came back to the UK, I didn't know what was happening to me because nobody could explain it. Graham, the medical profession were very kind of limited in their knowledge. My my biggest thing was actually depression. Having lived such an exciting time in Hong Kong, yeah, I had to come back to England, and it was there was nothing here. I hated it absolutely didn't want to be in England. I hated everything about it, the boringness of it, right? Yeah. Anyway, to say to people listening, if you are struggling like I did, do not give up hope. There, there is definitely light at the end of the tunnel. You just haven't found it yet. <laughs> the, reason I mean, I'm writing, the reason I'm writing my book, Chris, and I, I, I apologise to everybody, I apologise to myself, for not getting it written quick enough um life and work gets in the way is that i am writing my book it's a very simple and it's called the, the 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 PTSD survival guide it's a very simple guide to get yourself out that shit and it is and i believe it is quite easy and quite quick to do um Dion Jensen, a good friend of mine, ex New Zealand military, ex New Zealand police, and did a lot of time on the circuit. He wrote the first good news book about PTSD. Now that's free to download on, um, Success for Soldiers, which he runs. So I'll put but, that link in the, in yeah. the comments. So the first thing for anyone who's, because this is the crux of it, Chris, right? There's people, hopefully there's people out there who are listening. They they they're hitting the bottle. They're self medicating. They're arguing. They may have split up. They they're depressed. They 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 have suicidal ideation. They don't want to. They don't know what's going on. They're having dreams, nightmares, night paralysis, night terrors. They don't know what's going on. Where where do they go? Will they come to the likes of us? They can go to Dion's website, Success for Soldiers, and and download his book. And it speaks in military terminology. It's very simple. Okay. So people listening, right? If you don't help yourselves, no one else is going no one, to. For, no forget all this Facebook shit about, you know, call a mate. If he's struck, no. like, people don't do that. People are generally pretty shit, right? This is my experience.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. So please listen to what Graham's saying. I'll put a link for that book down below. If you don't read it, then it's your fucking problem. Then you're going to stay where you are. You if you don't read it, you know. Do what he says. I'll put a link for my book. And in case you're wondering, authors these days, we don't make money off our don't books. Don't make any money. If you think we this actually, is a plug pay for... pay to get them. Yeah. You, yeah. I've paid... I've paid... To write my four books now has probably cost me about coming up for £200,000. Yeah. Because that's what I would have... Heard. It's taken 10 years, Yeah, right? And I'm I have say ten thousand dollars to 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 publish. Yeah. My book. So I, this I is not a back. book. This is not a book plug. You need to get over that. Yeah. I'll put a link for my book Forty yeah. Nights yeah. in the in the comments. You can read, yeah. eat, smoke first, but yeah. Forty Nights is how I got myself out of the shit. Yeah. How I changed my thinking yeah. after my moment of epiphany. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. And how I then went on and achieved every single goal and ultimately happiness, which is you know, that's my crowning glory is I came from the worst to being that I'm the happiest person I know. I don't, I don't meet people that just love life all the time. Even yeah, when yeah. I'm unhappy, you know, even when I'm like, if I sometime you wake up depressed, because I've been doing one of my extreme endurance events, and it takes a lot out of you, right? Even when I'm depressed, I still know I'm like the happiest person in the world, which is sounds an irony. But Okay, so, so that's, it's an interesting story, and I, I might even give you an invite to, to write in my book. And my, my book is in three parts. It's based upon, you're an old fart like me, it's based upon our old aid memoir field guide. Do you remember it? Right? Yeah. And you could just turn to any section. So my book is written in three sections. You can read it back to front, inside out, whichever way you can turn to the, the, the section that's affecting you. The first part is my story, and and how I experienced PTSD and got through it. The second part is my tools to of of, of each section: sleep, diet, the brain, depression, anxiety, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And the third part is individual people's stories. So yeah. I, I may come to you and and ask for three pages of A four about. How you contracted PTSD, what it looked like for you, when you noticed you had it, and what did you do to get out of it? But the the, the, the people who have written in that book, I've got people who experienced, who, who did the march from Srebrenica and, and came to Australia and got raped. I've got paramedics who have done horrendous jobs, and that was the genesis of my book from from my buddy in the UK, um, who forced me to do the press-up challenge, and then his story resonated. and. One of the things that I started to say was if you have post-traumatic stress, don't be ashamed of it. Wear it like a badge of honor. And that's the very, very first step because you've earned it. You, you deserve it. So don't be ashamed of it. Relish in it. Don't take that too far. Okay. So the stories, I'll have about 10 of the stories that are from people who have been through and Dion will, will be one of these people who have been there, idolized suicide come through post-traumatic stress, come out the other side and, uh, and now happy people who no longer are affected by post-traumatic stress. Because I, I, I'm sick of people saying you can't get over it. Yeah. A couple of things, that, uh, two things I say. One is I never went to see, I couldn't go and see doctors because I, like, they kept telling me I was ill. And I'm like, no, I'm just experiencing life. You know you, you know i I really reacted badly against being told i mean you you have an illness or a disorder, yeah, well, it was the whole thing about like i you know I take drugs, fucking get over it that, yeah. that's that's how I want to live my life, yeah you know? and so off the back of that is like I was never diagnosed with anything, I definitely had uh, you know was suffering the effects of some sort of trauma because, like the uh, the depression, You're thinking, I you, you went. Know, your, your quintessential complex post-traumatic stress and 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 CPSD is a lot more difficult to deal with or treat. And I I would you know I I, I find it very hard to treat people or talk to people. with CPSD. Um, it needs a lot of expert experts. Every, everything I've experienced is all as well. A manifestation of that complex childhood trauma yes. that we talked about yeah, as well because you have to you have to get to that you have to find that anger and you have to dispel it or learn to live with it or, or or deal with it and one of the big one of the complex issues there is at whatever age you were traumatized you will have an emotional reaction of that age about many things and that's a very difficult thing to live with it's a very difficult thing to to treat and it's a very difficult thing for other people to live with because there's a difference in emotional regulation i'm (laughs) conscious of of the time here graham because i don't want not everyone's got three hours to listen to a podcast so absolutely what what, what i do want to wrap up now and then i'd love i'm can't wait to speak to you again because i'd like to talk about Parachute course because that was bloody one of the best things I've ever done. Yeah, I'd like, to, I'd like to talk about your time in Sarajevo. Yeah, and maybe maybe I can talk about my time working in Mozambique because I think there's a few parallels there. Yeah. Yeah. Let's wrap up this segment with you know, if you're a person, maybe you belong to one of these organizations, these voluntary organizations that cropped up that want to support struggling servicemen how um you know what is your approach to somebody, so I'm a volunteer, right? yeah, I care about veterans, you're struggling, Graham, right, yeah, off the bat, I can say, first, you're not trying to change people, right, yeah, because change comes from them, yeah, second, you're not dictating to them what they can and cannot do, no. right, you tell me not to do drugs. Or not to drink alcohol that's never gonna happen until i make that decision you Have to be realistic all yeah. that happens is you just go on the list of being another fucking pain in my ass yeah. that i wish wasn't would just leave me alone yeah right and i know people wouldn't want to be that pain in the ass right so right. so there's that you're not judging the person you're judging the condition condition you know If the house, if the house is a mess, it's not because they're lazy. It's because they're not well. Yeah. If you see them going to the pub again, again or again, that's not because, you know, that's not because they've just ignored all your advice. It's because they're, they're unwell, right? So I would say unconditional love.
1: You have to be be non, non judgmental.
0: Yeah. Non Non judgmental. I'm always here for you. I'm not gonna be happy, Graham, when I see you, you know, sticking that needle in your arm, but I'm not yeah. judging you for doing I'm not it. So
1: for
0: it. Yeah. I'm here. I, I just want to see the day when you're back to your 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 good old self again. That's the best thing to think someone ever said to me. They say, Chris, yeah. like, I I I don't know what to say because I don't understand any of this. No. But like <clears throat> I I don't, you know, I just want to see you stop doing that. And yeah. and and I'm here. Like, come and live in my house, eat my food. He even gave me his clothes, this guy. Right? I'm not suggesting everyone does this, but this was his approach. He And he never told me ever what I shouldn't, shouldn't do until the right time came. And he gave me a little nudge and went, yeah. why don't you go down to Job Center today, Craig? And I was like, yeah, why don't I? You know, why don't I? All right. Yeah. I, and do you know what? That one guy, I I've got him to thank for changing my life, you know, and me, of course, <laughs> but him because he didn't judge me. So what could you add to that, Graham, or have well, I sort of pretty much you'll hear, you'll hear a very similar story in one of my um, videos that um, a, a paramedic friend of mine, son put together as his art uh, video um, course, which is called Battle Scars by um, Sam College. I, I say the same thing about a friend who was non-judgmental. He sat with me like a rock. He was always there. He offered me work. He, um, he was funny. He just would sit and have a beer with me. He'd just treat people normally. Okay. Yeah. Treat them yeah. normally and, and, and give them a break. It, it, don't try and force them. Uh, sit next to them. You don't have to question them. You don't have to talk to them. You don't have to preach to them. You don't tell them they've got something wrong with them. Um, listen when they, if they need to be listened to, listen to them. And in Dion's book, he calls it, um, he, he, he calls that person a battle buddy. So, so one thing I recommend is if you're going through, first of all, obviously you've got to open up to yourself. You've got to open up to someone else. Find that person could be a family member, a friend could be a doctor, could be a professional, but have a back buddy, someone who you can be honest to and they can be honest back to you, and they can check in with you from time to time, because you will go through the shitstorm, as Dion calls it, and when you're in the shitstorm, you need a way to get out of it. The other things that you were talking about earlier, uh, you know, injecting drugs, drink, they're symptoms, so let's find out what we can replace those with, and let's address the cause of those symptoms, which is the trauma from childhood, the complex PTSD, um, or, or, or that thing that you're angry with. And let's work out how to, uh, how to sit with that and befriend that and not make it your en- enemy anymore so that you don't have to escape reality. Yeah. And, and be open and honest and not ashamed and, and realize that this is a physiological condition. So if you had the flu or kidney stones, you'd go to the doctors. Okay. I, I don't always advocate medication, but if that's one route, it could be, it could be a catalyst. It could be a, 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 a way to assist. I don't know, but own it, accept it and don't be ashamed of it. In yeah. fact, wear it like a badge of honor, as, as I say, and then remove the stigma because it's a physiological reaction. <clears throat> now, if you're a soldier and you have exactly the same symptoms as somebody who was abused as a child what's that telling us that that, that we're all human and it affects the brain which is a physiological organ in our body and it affects it the same way if it affects it the same way we can treat it the same way and 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 my book and, and you can read dion's way and he's he's called he's created a thing called um the ptsd solutions community So if you don't like me, don't like my words, you can go and find somebody else. And there's a website and there's lots of people who have lived experience and we've all beaten it. So my approach is a holistic approach where we where we 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 go for sleep, diet, exercise, meditation, um, holistic approaches. Um, I can yeah. also replace supplements in the diet that are going to take, which we're going to mimic the effects of alcohol so that we can start weaning off alcohol. I, I, I never, ever advocate um, abstinence because it's pointless. We've got to be realistic. Um, If people smoke marijuana or dope or whatever you want to call it, don't have the hydroponically stuff that's got bloody steroids or whatever they put in it these days. Yeah have natural stuff that's grown and actually has a balance of um, psychotic and CBD in it, antipsychotic and psychotic because you're not, you can't just tell people to stop doing something. So it's a, it's a very simple holistic approach. It's not going to happen overnight, like, like a magic bullet or a pill. It's a holistic no. approach, but you have to follow yeah. it. Yeah. Once you, once you start following these things and in small steps forward, <clears throat> there is a mythology you can follow. I followed it. It took me a long time, but I got there eventually. Um it, it, And I can, I can let people know how to do that a lot quicker. A yeah. lot. Yeah. Graham, I'm going to um stop you there because I do like you and I really do like what you're saying. And I can't wait to speak again. I'm just conscious of the time now. So What's can that? you just, let, if you just stay on the line, yeah. I'm going to stop the recording. Okay. Um, mate. As, as we said, um friends, the links are going to be below if there's anything we said. If, if you've got a comment, something you want us to cover in our next um, talk, when I hope we're going to talk about some fun things as well, like throwing ourselves out of airplanes, which is just <laughs> mental. Everybody should do that at least once in their that's life. True, so true. I'm going to shush there. So, Graham, thank you ever so much for joining us. As I said, stay on the line and um, look forward to speaking to you again. Will do, Chris. Thanks for your time, buddy. Oh, you're very welcome. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Friends, thank you for listening to the Bought the T-Shirt Podcast. Please like, subscribe and share. And don't forget to follow me on social media. Username Chris Thrall. Instagram Chris.Thrall. Thank you.